the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a new week, Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and a short week for me. I'll be here today and tomorrow, and then off the rest of the week because I have to have oral surgery on Wednesday. Don't think I'm going to be ready to come back to work probably until Monday, um, having some teeth removed and... Uh, as I was telling you about it last week, I'm getting uppers put in, Ouch. and they got to take out the rest of the teeth. And uh, I've got roots that are in my gums that they got to pull out. Oh, is what they got to get rid of Have because, you? well, I had a, I had a bunch of crowns, Eric. Yeah, and they just snapped off one by one. Oh, snapped man. off. Mm. My teeth just fell apart. That's that's what's happened. And so you're getting all new. I'm on the top. I am. Top. Okay, then on good. the bottom, we'll see. Okay. You know, I'll have to wait a year. <laughs> it's not cheap. I'm just telling you that. It ain't cheap. Yeah. Be a good time to start a diet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be uh, probably the first few days going to be liquid. Because they do this really differently than what I remember how they used to do it. If you remember how, uh, the, you know, the, the whole thing with the dentures were, they were like one size fits all. Right. They take an average size. They'd send it in. If you had a, they'd say, "Well, he's got a small mouth, or he's got a big mouth," you know. And they'd send them. I remember my father having his, and all the teeth were the same size for everybody. And he'd be sitting there after dinner, watching, sitting in the in the living room, watching sports on TV or whatever, Friday night fights or the Cubs or whatever, with his. He'd have his uh, pen knife. That's what they call it, a little tiny knife. Had it in his hand, and he's scraping the inside of his dentures. Oh, they, take it out of his they, mouth and they, sit in there Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> it, it would get develop little burrs in it. Oh, and wow. you take scrape those off so it wouldn't be digging into your gum line. Well, they've, it's come a long way it since has, then. All right? yeah. I mean, yeah. a long way. And uh, they they took my you know measurements of my mouth, of my teeth, and all kinds of stuff. And uh, But they put them in after I have that oral surgery. They're going to put this this device into my mouth immediately, and it's supposed to let the gum swell up inside of it, and it makes for a tighter fit. Oh wow! So that's what they tell me. I'll find out how well it works. Will you be, Come, a, will, right. will you be asleep? Nope. Operation? Nope. nope. Uh, they'll oh, wow. they'll numb me completely down. I oh. won't feel anything, oh, but bad. I will hear the crunch and the oh, my and all of that as they pull them out. Yeah, they got, I love that stuff. The last time doctor had me in there and took out three, I could feel, he said, okay, you're going to feel some pressure. And, of course, I'm feeling him, you know, grabbing that sucker and trying to snap the, the roots on the bottom. And then oh. I, I, I feel, oh my God. I feel that thing. Oh. And then he get in and pull the root out. And the reason I knew he was getting them all, I could hear him landing in the tray oh my god <laughs> it was it's so bizarre yeah, you're it's, awake while that's going on it's crazy yeah and you're kind of out of your mind <laughs> yeah and i'm just saying ah, that stuff doesn't really bother me but it's going to take about 90 minutes to do it all on on wednesday i get started at eight o'clock in the morning first thing i'll do after i get out of bed wow 
go down to the dentist's office and get in the chair. That's right. Get um, it done. Or get it over with. And then I'm going to take a couple of pain pills and go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> when I get home, that's yeah. exactly what I'm going to do. So anyway, I'll be out uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, Alan Kerr, insurance commissioner, will be here on Wednesday. Val Emmons will fill in on Thursday. Shane Stacks uh, will be here on uh, Friday. I saw he's getting the, the geek squad all set up and ready to come in. It's a perfect day for him to be on because uh, Avengers opens this weekend, oh, uh, right. Infinity yeah, Wars, and there's a show Thursday night, so everybody who will be on the show with him probably will have seen the movie. And without giving any spoilers, they'll tell you whether they thought it was any good or not. I'll be taking my son Cross to the movie. There you go. Yeah. I love those movies, man. That Marvel Cinematic Universe is big, big business. That other voice you're hearing, you know him. Eric Coleman is with us today. I brought Eric in. He's got a special uh, visitor coming in again uh, with Colombian Emeralds. Uh, Francis Sanchez Guadavita uh, will be back at uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry up on Cavanaugh. She's going to be here May the 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th. She'll be here on site. So they'll have gemologists and jewelers on site for you. They'll have some refreshments for you. And this is called Gemstones of, of the World. That's because we're going to have a lot of other gemstones there as well. Okay. And many, many discounts on different things. Now, this lady is really the real deal because she's with a family that's been in the emerald business for a long time. Yeah, like for centuries. And, I mean, she's been down in the caves and everything. Correct, because their their property is up against Lake Guadavita. And uh, on that property are three emerald mines. And so that's what that's what she has the rights to that. This but, is uh, cool. Yeah, and so she, she, she and her family have been in business for, you know, ever since she was born. And so past that, it's been like, you know, centuries passed down from one family to the next. Have you ever been lucky enough to go into a mine like that to see them going in and you digging know, out the, 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 the gems from the wall of a mine? All I can do is, as a child, Dave, I, okay. grew, I grew up wanting to be a gemologist. I, mean, I know. I mean, a geologist and, and do that. But what happened was, as I am a gemologist and a jeweler, a bench jeweler, Correct. Right. So, and now I'm in self-employed. So, yes, I'm always at the bench. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I've never had the chance to go, but I'm going to one day. If I do have the chance, I'm going to go to. A you mine. should go visit her. I yeah, mean, I know. Well, she's, she's coming in. She, matter of fact, she's invited me, so I might do that. You need to go down and check it out. You write that off on your taxes. That's a business I know, expense. I know it. And I, it's beautiful down there too. Oh my God, it's beautiful. She's showing me some pictures. You know, really? They go, they go down there for vacations quite often. She, matter of fact, she's down there right now picking up some items to bring back to the show. Ooh, yeah. That must be very cool to do that kind of stuff. I it, mean, it it's, must what's be cool something. is to uh, to get to work with uh, gemstones uh, on, on a regular basis. And to know what they're worth and sit down with them and just to look at how beautiful they are. Yeah, talk a little bit for my listeners about they can actually color gemstones, correct? Color? Some people color gemstones. I mean, there's there's gemstones that you know have come right out of the mines and the colors that they are. And others, they enhance the colors kind correct. of. Is well, that most, correct? Most all gemstones have some fashion of a... Uh, enhancement. Okay. And mo- most the majority of the enhancement deals with heat treatment. The heat is treated onto the gemstone to get some of the impurities out of the stone. But that's it's okay to have that done. The particular emeralds that she's bringing up are not heat treated. 
mm-hmm. but they're old, and that's so they can cut the stone. Okay. Okay. She does have some stones that are not old, but the majority of them are going to be old. That's all the treatment that they get. Okay. So they what get, they're not dyed. Most most right. most of them are dyed. These are not dyed. That's it's really interesting. I'm looking at. Can you turn my my camera on here real quick, Russ? Just hold up this card here. I put it up here so you can see. Look at the colors of those gemstones. Yeah, they come in all colors of all kinds of gemstones. Those things are gorgeous. They are. They really, really are gorgeous. By the way, when I say take a look at this and you're just listening on the radio, uh, you can go to Facebook.com when you get home or whatever, uh, Facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show, and you can watch this hour later oh, really? if, if you can't oh, watch it right okay. now. And you should go and check it out. Yeah. Ladies, you definitely need to go and check it out. <laughs> then get your, your your significant other to come watch it with you and let, and, and know that – this lady's going to Guadavita is going to be there on the second, uh, the third, fourth, and fifth, and uh, she'll be there, and you get a chance to meet her. They can explain the stones to you. They can show them to you. I mean, this is the real deal. Now you've got the person that you know literally almost went in and dug this out of the side of a cave somewhere. That's exactly right. Our family's you know in the business still cousins cousins of different you know relatives well i'm sure they've you know you've worked these people have worked there for years as families right that's pretty and i mean i think it's cool i would think it'd be cool to be able to go to you know south africa or whatever and go some of the diamond mines Uh, yeah i meet a lot of i meet a lot of colored gemstone dealers i have a lot of dealers that come to see me and what my main passion is colored gems I mean, I really I like love them. color. I mean, I'm not a big. I mean, I'm not a huge diamond guy because I think diamonds are pretty, but there's something about I like emeralds and I really like rubies. Yeah, uh, uh, rubies are beautiful. I like that was my phone, my fault. Uh, <laughs> you know, as, as far as you know, that red, that real blood red rubies. Yeah, Burmese, yeah. Is that what? They're called, it's called Burmese rubies. Burmese rubies. And I have some in the store right now. I bought an estate uh, jewelry, some estate uh-huh. jewelry, and they have Burmese rubies in the items, in the pieces. You got the other kind of jewelry that I like the most you got on your hand right now. Yeah, turquoise. Yeah, turquoise. Yeah. That's, is it, when you go out to the Southwest, you know, and there's like a million different little stores along the side of the road, and they're all selling turquoise, are those legitimate places to buy turquoise do you think uh dave i had a chance one time i was a sales rep a long time ago and i traveled all of new mexico when i traveled all through new mexico i went to gallup new mexico that's the place when, when i went to gallup it's i mean it's indians okay right and they're out they're out even trying to find people walking around the streets. Yeah, they're hawking their stuff. And trying, yes. And so I found a lot of good stuff there, some stones and some things like that. That kind of got stirred my passion up on turquoise one time. And I still have passion Turquoise for and silver. Rough. Yeah, yeah. They just go together. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's like uh, chocolate and ice cream. And, and uh, tur- nice pieces of turquoise are really going up in price. Yeah, they have that. That I can attest to as well. But when I was, last time I was out in New Mexico and went to Gallup, and they'll be sitting along the side on the side by the, the sidewalk where you're walking at, have a little table there, open up. A, it's typically a black piece of cloth they have, and they put their turquoise pieces, their rings, necklaces, and stuff, bracelets down, belt buckles, and have you take a look at them. 
Uh, and I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And you talk about beautiful work. Right. Well, Gallup has a, a, a Indian jewelry supply store there where the Indians buy all their supplies to make the jewelry. And it does quite well. Well, they um, And, uh, yeah, you know. And, they have uh, beautiful stuff. They do. You know, this will be a three-day show event. We'll be having uh, a bunch of uh, unusual gemstones coming in for this event that you don't ever see every day, like perhaps an Alexandrite or other gemstones that you don't see. I'm trying to get some cashmere sapphires in. I want to get some different op- things. Okay, for so I'm going to stop you now. Okay. All right, go back and say I'm a, uh, Alexandrite. You know, cashmere sapphire cashmere okay so cashmere. what what are the differences of those stones versus any other kind of you know stone of that kind well you don't see those very often the natural alexandrites very often in a jewelry store okay you know because they they're they're very pricey okay if you do see some or you sell, sell them uh, they're often small in size i hope to have some larger ones in Okay, what is the sapphire? The sapphire, the cashmere means it comes from a specific mine. I've been trying to get one of those in to look at because I can't. You can't find them anymore. I did have an antique ring that came in uh, through the shop that a stone had fallen out, and I'm pretty sure that there were cashmere sapphires in this particular ring. Really? Yeah. What set them apart? What What was? Uh, it's the color. It's the color of it. It has a um, bright, vivid blue, velveteen luster. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit just different than a regular sapphire. They stand out in and of themselves. Yes, they then. do. Just like Burmese ruby. Burmese is from Burma. Their, or, right. their country of origin determines really how good they are. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, my, that's the majority. That's why if you have a country of origin on that particular gemstone, you know where that comes from. Well, that, that price of that is going to be a lot higher than it would, let's say, for a salon sapphire. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I look up in the Burmese uh, ruby that we're talking about. It is dark, vivid red. It's more of a bright uh, pigeon blood is what they call it, pigeon blood red, but it's... Um, pigeon blood. You no, know, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> sounds like somebody from Burma good. would say something like that. It does, doesn't it? And we can say that with and be completely politically correct. I love that. I love that. All right, so this is going to happen at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. We're going to show you some jewelry here on our Facebook Live broadcast that we're doing right now. People are watching it on uh, online right now. Again, you go to facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, and if you can't watch right now, you just go back to that same address later today and uh, Russ loads these up, and all you got to do is go back and click on them. You can watch the whole show and, and see everything that we're going to talk about uh, during this time. Again, the uh, show is going to be May 3rd, 4th, and 5th. It's going to be Gemstones of the World, Gemologists and Jewelers on Site, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry off Bun Cavanaugh, Colombian Emeralds presented by uh, Francie Sanchez Guadavita. She's coming back. This is her. Is it second, second time? Second time. Second time. You were so nice to her the last time. She wanted to come back, yeah. and she's going to be here. And uh, if you're interested in any kind of gemstone, you come to see this. Right. If you really want to see some great emeralds as well, you yeah. definitely want to be there yeah, for really this. Some beautiful ones. Because a lot of people, I'm. we had people uh, call in after that last show and said that was some gorgeous uh, you know, jewelry that you had, right. or yeah. gemstones. Yeah, she had one big, big pear-shaped uh, drop 
with a pear-shaped diamond on top sitting in a white gold necklace, and that was just a drop-dead gorgeous, oh, man, necklace. I love it. I fell in love with that. <laughs> it's easy to fall in love with things, right? It is. To do that. All right, let's take a quick break because we're at 22 after. Don't forget about Aero Plumbing. Aero Plumbing is ready to take on your problem you have, whether it's a toilet not working, whether you got uh, a drain that's clogged up or like myself, a couple of things that I had to have done with our above ground pool. Uh, I had a problem where the the pipe went into the ground, under the ground, went to the pool to help keep the water clean, and it would freeze during the winter time. And they put a steel uh, reinforced pipe in and did a great job. Had to do some digging, and I thought it was going to be ex- you know really really expensive, and it was not. They do their work. They do it well. Uh, They stand behind their work. For instance, they'll give you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service that uh, Aero Plumbing provides, they will refund all your money. And if for some reason a repair uh, fails in the first year, they repair it again at no charge uh, to you. To get a hold of Aero Plumbing, all you have to do is go to aeroplumbing.net or to uh, Google, just Google Aero Plumbing. All right, I just heard from Alan Kerr. He's filling in for me on Wednesday. He says he's got the director of uh, Adam, Arkansas Department of Emergency Management, coming in at 2 o'clock along with an agent to talk about flood and uh, flood and spring flooding. At 3 o'clock, Susan uh, Truy from the Little Rock Zoo coming in to talk about what's new at the zoo. Uh, at 4 o'clock, the car and truck doctors are going to be uh, on. It'll be Joe and Duck. And um, he said at 5, I'll have my sports guys in to talk about sports and the up-and-coming summer and the up-and-coming Razorback football season. So that's all coming up on Wednesday. Alan Kerr does a good job. If he ever decides to to leave uh, the treasury of arkansas you might find himself a gig right here at the radio station to be honest you mean the insurance department no the insurance department yes it's milligan that's at the treasury. yeah yeah he's at the treasury they all they both they both they work together they work closely together because they both have a lot to do with money <laughs> all right so i need to get i need to get uh milligan back on he does a good job too i like bringing in the guys that know the answers and can answer any of your questions all right right now eric is with us and uh, eric coleman owns hillcrest designer jewelry he's having this great opportunity for you to see the gemstones of the world it's a three-day showcase event this is really really special this is the difference between a franchise kind of a jewelry store and a guy who owns his own jewelry store. You're not going to see a lot of, you know, the the stores that have letters for their names. Uh, you're not going to see them have gemstones of the world. You know, yeah. they're just going to have a... Well, what happened, Dave, was thing. I got addicted to gemstones as a young child. So, uh, and here I am in the jewelry business, and I'm still overbuying on gemstones and have a collection. Okay. Yep. So it's ended up, you know, being, I'm kind of like, like I say, if a stone dealer comes in, I usually buy something from them. So it's accumulated over the years. Well, but, but here's the key. You have, 
a a a store that you own it's not owned by a no. large corporate right. entity right so you have these special opportunities for people to come and see something right. like gemstones of the world i think about what you got here and i it makes me think about when i was younger and i was growing up outside of chicago and we used to go to uh the uh, museum of science and industry in chicago and they had the gym uh, department that you walked oh, through and saw all the gems in the world, right. and in the middle, it's a Hope Diamond. Oh wow! Yeah, that you got to see. And I always was amazed at how beautiful gemstones were. Yeah, it's fascinating how much they were worth. Yeah, well, how much they're worth, but and, how you know, they're made. Right. You know, you got to have special things happening in one. Typically, it's just in one special place that it's got the the right. Uh, Chemicals. Types of chemicals. Right. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, if you during the breaks, we're showing you some of the jewelry, the fine jewelry over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. And, and as I was, I was talking about liking to go into the gemstone exhibit at the uh, Museum of Science and Industry, and we were talking about that, and and I was talking about the difference between Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and the big box stores. And and here here's the big thing that I that I like. T- hit your mic there, the red button right over there. There you go. I, the thing that I really really like about what you do, people come into your your store, they're going to see all kinds of gemstones. Correct. You go to a big box store, you go see a lot of diamonds. You probably see quite a few rubies, maybe some sapphires. Yeah. But it's they're looking at maybe three or four different types of stones, aren't they? Well, I think, Dave, what they're looking for is something that uh, can also take the gemstones that we're looking at, which could be anything, because I have about just about everything there from multicolored quartzes to it doesn't matter. I've usually got most of it there. And then sit down and actually make something. Okay? Well, yeah. You that's, can't go. That's, you let, can't, me, let me stop you, you there. Yeah. You've heard me talk about Hillcrest for a long time. And what is it that I always tell you about what you can get done? You can get something made personally by Eric for you. And he sits down and talks to you and typically will ask you a question about the person that you're making this for. And and he'll incorporate pieces of their personality into the jewelry that he fashions. Well, here lately, Dave, I have lot uh, lots of people that have the old grandmother's jewelry, old, uh, the old Eurocut diamonds. Okay. Old European cut diamonds that I'm taking those and using and making things out of that for their daughter. So uh, you know when you when you decide to give something or a nice gift, let's say uh, from husband to the wife, you want to make it a nice gift and and something that could be passed down to your children and your children's children. Correct. Right. Well, and that's yeah. and that, that's what's important. All right. Those those diamonds or rubies or sapphires or whatever it is that you're using don't lose their value they usually are going up in value it is so important for them to understand that and it's also when they do that and they give that piece to that person it's unbelievable they love it because it's from grandmother yes there's a there's a huge emotional tie to it right and that's the whole idea the whole idea is to pass this to your ancestors and to do something well how many how many guys do you hear they get married and they give their wives their mother's right wedding ring. I want to give this diamond to you so you can yeah. take this and use this. 
Yeah, right. I've, I've heard right. it. You know, I've seen that so many times. I've had a customer come in and they wanted to do to, well, they wanted to buy a moissanite. What's a moissanite? Uh, moissanite is a synthetic gem that's man-made. Uh, often, it's a diamond simulant. Okay. Uh, and I am trying to get this to understand that perhaps it would be better to buy a diamond. First of all, let me give you a reason. Okay. Okay, this is something that's going to be of value, that will retain its value. It's not something that will go down. Like, like moissanites, their, their prices will go down, just like the synthetic diamonds that are flooding the market. Their prices are going to go down, just like the cubic zirconia. Remember when it came out? Yeah. It was a lot of money, and then it went way down to, like, yeah. I could buy it for five bucks. Right? Yeah, because everybody was making them. This diamond that you buy here is for your children's buy something nice. It's a one once in a lifetime you get married. Right? Yeah, well, you, if you you want something that has meaning to it. Yeah, that nature made. And that God made, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the key. That's key. And so what I did was I compared. We I got a moisten some moissanites in. I compared them. I said, let's look at the difference here. And then I gave them the example of the three diamonds that I had for a selection for them to choose from. And then I went, after she picked out the one that she thought was the best, then I went to explain to them what's the difference between the color, the clarity, why you mm-hmm. picked that particular diamond out. It had a better cut than anything else. I and, I and look, I will tell you, you will not get that type of surface at a big box store. Right. They're looking to wrap a sale as quickly as they can. They're not wanting to sit there and 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 just educate you about things. Well, the one thing about it, though, though Dave, is, uh, you know, I've got a lot of experience, okay? I know almost, you do. Almost 40 years. Uh, yeah, I'm old. But anyway. <laughs> He's younger than I am, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to have somebody that you can depend on, that if you do need something done, to go and see like a mom-and-pop store is the best way to shop. And that's going to come back because so many people are shopping for diamonds on the Internet. They think they've got the best deal. Well, they don't because mm-hmm. majority of the time the cut's way off. They're selling that diamond that cheap for a particular reason, and, you know. Yeah, cut, and when you look off. at it, how do, you, how do you know, number one, that the diamond they're going to send you in return is the diamond that they're showing to you on the Internet? Well, that's correct, Dave. That's very, that happens a lot. And also try to return a diamond. Try just try to return a diamond that you don't like that you bought off the internet. You won't get it turned. They don't accept it. You know these are the problems. So why not depend on somebody to help you along that process and for somebody to take care of you when you need something done? Yeah, right? I agree. That's what and I do too. Why wouldn't you go see somebody like Eric, who will tell you he can beat the big box stores in price? That's right. And he can beat them by a lot. I'm not talking. Well, Ten or fifteen dollars. Well, I, the main thing I emphasize, uh, Dave, is there are the four C's that determine the value of diamond. But what they don't, but you need to understand, there's also uh, cost, expenses, mm-hmm. things put in that. Well, I keep I keep mine down. I, I asked somebody asked me the other day, "Don't you want to be a big store?" I said, "No, I do not. I want to keep it simple and keep it simple and keep things paid." Well, just so the listeners understand. That Eric, of course, advertises with me, and it might surprise you to know that it's cheaper to advertise with me than it is to carry on a national ad campaign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good plug, plug, plug in there. Right? I'm just No, but the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, I'll just say K, okay? They're spending a gazillion dollars on advertising, say, coming up on Mother's Day, which is just around the corner. You know, they, they've got... 
what's her name, that actress or whatever, the open heart oh, thing yeah. that's gotten yeah. all that. That's a lot of money they're spending just to try to get you into the shop. Well, yeah, right. But that's Signet Jewelers. I don't have a lot to say about Signet Jewelers. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you. I had a guy show up PC. in my store the other day, and he was a district manager. He wanted to know where he could find him a good jeweler. But anyway, Signet Jewelers uh, is, you know, completely different. Uh, I think the mom and pops is where you're going to want to find the best deals and also the best service. There's no those. We're in the business because we have a passion for it. Okay, and you love for people to show your product because it's a reflection of you. Correct. Yeah, that's right. But I like the, to design and make a full line. And sometimes I'll just sit out there and make a whole full line of diamond crosses, and then I'll go into something else and make something else. Like these anniversary bands that I just made. These are these are multicolored sapphires. I don't know if they can look at that. You have to drop it down a little lower okay. here. Okay, there you go. These are multicolored there sapphires. Uh, I've got blue diamonds, all kinds of. I got even multicolored uh, sapphires that are like orange and red right here, and yellow at the same, at the same uh, ring. So I'll make up things like this: pink sapphires, rubies, blue diamonds, white diamonds, yeah. different colors of gold. Drop your, your hand down. Like there that. you go. Yeah. Just just sit them on the on the table okay. there. So I'm on the table for I'll, go through you a, go. I'll go through a whole series and make up something that I'll do something else and go to another series and I'll make up opal cuffs or something like that. Put opals in them and put 18 karat gold on the top. Now I'm going to tell you, they look pretty as you're looking at them because we got, you know, we've got the, the expensive cameras here. But when you look at them up close and personal, yeah, what I, what you're seeing here on on the, our uh, Facebook uh, live doesn't do them justice it doesn't, it doesn't do them justice yeah, right but it's better than me trying to tell you right uh, over the radio but you need to come and check it out but co- color is beautiful yeah check a look at that picture yeah. color color it's is beautiful stuff. yeah it, ca- it catches the eye when you look at a green stone it's like being in the forest it, it, it makes you feel uh it makes you feel good actually when you look at green because it's the most pleasing color to the eye Oh, really? Right. That's why God made everything green. Well, that's what I like when okay. you... When you walk in a forest, it's real green. Yeah. Don't you feel that? You feel yeah. that? Yeah. The same as with emerald. When you're wearing an emerald, you have that green on you. You look at it occasionally. And when you look at a ruby, a Burmese ruby. Yeah. As you look at it, you get excited. Yeah, it's because it's passion. Yeah. Ruby stands for passion. Yeah. Well, that's really my, That's my birthstone. Oh, is it? It is. Well, it goes along with you when you're talking about jewelry, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really, I go in and visit with uh, Eric at, at his jewelry store, and you'll not find somebody as passionate as he is about, as, as passionate as I about doing my show, he is about jewelry. Yeah. And I'm passionate about my my, jewel, my jewelry, the, the my show, right. what I do. Yeah. Except you'll be off for a few days. Yeah, I'll be off. Well, you'd be off. You'd be out of the office too for a few days. I would if be you had too. That. You know, you I feel sorry. Man, I take it, care of it's you. Bad. All right, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry is having their uh, three-day showcase event. This is coming up. It's called Gemstones of the World, May third, fourth, and fifth. Perfect time for it. It's a week before Mother's Day. A week before Mother's Day, May third, fourth, and fifth. And the gemologists and jewelers will be on site for you. Colombian emeralds will be presented by Francie Sanchez Guadavita. Uh, she is from uh, uh, you know Colombia, and they own like three uh, emerald mines right off of the Guadavita Lake there. 
And uh, this woman knows emeralds. Right. She grew up knowing emeralds. Right. It's in their blood. Yeah, she, yeah <laughs> it really is. And it, you need to get over and, and, and check it out. I think you'll be surprised as well as the cost. Uh, not as, uh, as much as you think it would be. Although... I probably would say the the teardrop that you talked about. Yeah, that was expensive. With the di- okay. with the diamond at the top, you yeah, got to look at stuff like that. You got to see that. Kind I mean, of I, stuff. the whole idea is okay. You don't get to see this every day. Yeah. Right? So why not just you know, hey, hey, honey, let's go, let's go to go Hill check Crest, it out. Let's go, yeah, let's go see what this is about. Now here's the cool and then part. you get to meet us. And then you know what we're about. Yes. And then you might decide you want to have something done. And you want to come back and do something. Yeah. So that's where that's where it is, is. Is you decide to come in the store, introduce yourself to us, and come and check us out. And you'll walk down and look in his display cases, and you'll be stunned at all the different pieces of jewelry he has there. Many of them are original designs by Eric himself. Yeah, I make a lot of stuff. I take a lot of my colored stones and make things out of them. But uh, just come by the store. Like, for example, on Thursday, it's Sip and Shop that night, or Shop and Sip, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and stop in, because we'll be open till about 8 o'clock. You know, come by and check us out and see what's going on. Okay, so Sip means you got a little bit of wine? A little bit of wine. Okay. And I serve chocolate pedophores. Oh, very cool. Blue Cake Company. All right. Keep and, that uh, keep yeah. that in mind. So that's going to be. And a we'll fun have time. other refreshments there as well. I'll be helping different foods and things like that. All right, sounds like a fun time. We'll come back. We'll finish up talking. We've had a fun hour here talking about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. We come back. We'll talk a little bit more about gemstones of the world. Something you don't get to see every day, uh, and uh, you see it like twice a year over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, uh, May third, fourth, and fifth. He's on Cavanaugh. Easy to find where they're at. And uh, Francie Sanchez Guadavita is going to be there. And she'll be presenting her brand of Colombian emeralds uh, live and in person right at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Uh, You know, if you've been paying taxes, you probably hate paying taxes. I hate paying taxes as well. Uh, Just wait until you withdraw money from your IRA, your 401k, and other retirement accounts. Because I didn't know about this until just a few weeks ago, required minimum distributions, which can force you to withdraw money from your accounts, whether you want to or not. You know why that is, right? Because the government lets you put that money in tax-free. They didn't tax it when you put it in. Now they want the taxes from it that are due. And normally it will be higher than what it was when you put it in. They know taxes typically are going to go up. Uh, That can trigger an avalanche of taxes, in fact, and every year could get more and more expensive. David Lucas specializes in strategies that could reduce these taxes and save you literally thousands of dollars. Published author, host of the David Lucas Show that you hear uh, right here on 101.1, The Answer. If you've saved at least, uh, say, 200 grand for retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free review now at 501-653-6690. If you want to learn how you could save thousands in taxes on your IRA or 401k, call 501-653-6690. Back with you. Okay, we're back on. We're talking about a good friend of ours. But bottom line is, I want to talk about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. 
Uh, give them the exact address, if you would, Eric. That's uh, at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard. We're in, in that three-story building where all the salons are at, caddy corner to Leo's Greek Castle. So when you see that big, building, everybody knows and where we're, we're faced. We're on at. the we're on the street, so you can just walk in my uh, park right there and just come right on in, right at the front door. Yeah, make sure you come in and, and check out. I want to mention again the gemstones of the world. This is a three day showcase event. That means it's a special and it's special a sale, event. A sale too. Okay. 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 So we have a lot of items for sale. Yeah, it's not like they're bringing all the big ticket items in. There's there's items that you'll be able to walk out with if you'd like. May third, fourth, and fifth, and uh, Francis Sanchez Guadavita uh, will be here as well with uh, the show Colombian Emeralds from her family's own emerald mines. So this is her return engagement. She was here what about six months ago? Yes, sir. All right, so we decided back. to do it again. We had a lot of people wanting us to have it again. They didn't have a chance to make it. Okay. This has been an opportunity for you to decide to come and look and see what we have, emeralds, whatever it is, and whatever you need to have done just to come back into the store. Yeah, explain and, uh, to everybody again. This is not just about emeralds. This is about all gemstones. Right, all gemstones, and I have a lot of them. And yeah, everything, and we'll have everything uh, there showcased. We'll have different items that have been reduced for sale. And uh, we really look forward to just to meeting you and for you just to come in and say hi to us, okay? Yeah, I, I like when you go meet Eric and you're talking to him and you say, you know, what do you got as far as rubies go? And he reaches down and opens up a drawer and he pulls it back and he sets it up on the counter for you. And he's got like 50 rubies sitting in front of you. Yeah, I've got some different things. <laughs> it's, well, I've got actually, it's awesome. I've got trays over here that's just thrown. I've got a bunch of stuff. Just see, look at that. Yeah, that's he, just, tra- just trays. Whole, see yeah. stuff thrown in there. Yeah, uh, he all was those going, trays. Pull it down again, just so they can see. Just see that again. See the tray? Look at that. There's just all kind. That he just threw that in there. Yeah, I, I, was, well, I was in a hurry because I was behind. <laughs> I know you're running behind. I understand that, but that's okay. Yeah. So uh is going to be there. She'll be talking to you. Well, give you uh, as well. Gives you time to meet her and ask her questions. But all kinds of uh, of, of jewelry here. I'll, I'll give, hold it up here on the the small camera for you. You can see that's a good picture of what you can expect of all the different kinds of things that uh, he'll have. You know, if you if you have a question or something, or if you need to call us ahead of time or let us know what it is that you're looking for that's specific, mm-hmm. then I can find it for you. There you go. So it's always good to know. If you are looking for a specific stone of some sort or what it is that you've always wanted, let me know. I'll find it for you. Let, let's go back. i got just a few moments left with you. Again, this is going to be May 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So circle correct. those dates. And uh, you're going to start at 10 a.m. Well, in the morning, correct? Yes, yes, sir. And the reason we're having a three-day event was because everybody wanted to come back the next day and come in and, and make a selection or whatever. But mm-hmm. then that's the reason why we're going to make it three days this time because some people missed it. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're asking people that if you hear us right now, you know, make plans for this. This is so cool because the last time I had Eric on to talk about this event, we didn't have the cameras in the studio. And this is pretty cool that you can look at the jewelry, you know, on the Facebook Live that we're doing. Again, uh, if you want to go back and see some of this, uh, go to Facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. Click on where it says Videos. And you can find this hour, Just cl- it'll be at the top of the list, and just click on it, and you can watch the show and hear what he's got to say. The other thing that I wanted to uh, 
uh, impart to you is that he wants you to come and look at the gemstones and all the rest, but he also wants you to come in and, and strike up a relationship with him because, you know, he's a small jeweler and he wants to have a relationship. He, want, he wants to be your personal go-to jeweler. Right, right. And I'm, I'm, when I say jeweler, I'm saying, I, yes, I, I have 38 years at the bench working, designing, making, repairing anything. Now, you show up and you, uh, you need know, a sizer ring, he'll size a ring. You, know, you want to so. buy, you know, an expensive gemstone and have him make something for you. He can do that as well. He's yeah. got the plasma I got guns the, and laser, all that laser stuff. laser welder. Yeah, he's got all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I had to buy that. He's got like a Star Trek set up in the back. You'll see it when you're there. Yeah. It's real easy to see. It's very cool what he does. The man knows what he's doing. And, and I haven't even used this word yet today but i'll use it right now he is an artisan oh lord <laughs> that's well that's important yeah, yeah. You, you, you're more than just an everyday um, jeweler dude you are an artisan and and that's where your passion shows up at it does when i sit down and actually start making something put in the case it just it's right there you know it's something i want to do yeah and you do a lot he does a lot just go all right yeah. i'm not going to sit here and try to explain you know Eric's work. You just you got to see it because it's unique. A lot of it is so unique. It is. I work in silver, gold, platinum. It doesn't matter. I work in just about stone everything. and stones, all kinds of. It's stones. It's really amazing how you take something that is just a common everyday something you might see if you're out hiking. You know, Dave. I have all these people that walk in with their iPad or their uh, their phone, and they have a picture. Can you make this for me? I said yes. I can do yeah, that. Yeah, I can you. do that. Just bring me. A picture that you have, or okay. it's her engagement ring. Here lately, it was her engagement ring. We put a peach sapphire and a rose gold setting for a lady. Right. She brought it in. The picture started from scratch. You did it. And we did it. All right. Eric Coleman, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh, May 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Now, you can go in any other time, please. But uh, that's going to be the three-day showcase event, Gemstones of the of the World. Uh, with Francie Sanchez Guadavita. Thanks so much, Eric, oh, for welcome. coming in. Thank you. Appreciate it. Back with folks from Hortons when we return. All right, back for uh, the 3 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you, I'm here today and tomorrow, and I'm off from Wednesday till next Monday. Wednesday is oral surgery day for me, so I will not be back until Monday. And uh, Alan Kerr will be here on Wednesday. He's the uh, head of the insurance he's the insurance commissioner for arkansas so he'll be in here uh coming up on thursday val emmons filling in and on friday uh joining us is going to be sean uh stacks he'll be around shane stacks will be in here taking care of everything while i'm gone i'm getting my uppers in just so you know they got to pull out seven teeth wednesday and then they're going to put the denture in that's what that's the freaky part to me all right they put the denture in while you're still bleeding kind of <laughs> i'm not happy about it all right so horton's orthotics and prosthetics mike horton is here now full disclosure we are friends yes we have hunted together we've had good times together we've done a, do you still own, go out there and hunt yes Okay, so this fall, I can come out and... <laughs> Man, this is not on the spot at all. No, I, you don't have to answer that. You don't have as to answer As long as you take pictures of him after he falls in the puddle. No, no, no. After after I kill another eight point. 
That's that right. was it was there that killed I killed the, the, the famous. I ha, well, I haven't gone. I've gone hunting one time since then. Wow, one time. You know how much I work. Chris said he would love to take you again. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing that. Yeah, and I can steal his rifle again to do that. All right, so Mike's here. He's brought in a, a couple of friends. Chris is here. Derek is here. And I'll let you uh, introduce them to us, Mike. Uh, this is a special month as we finish up in April. It is Limb Loss Awareness Month. And none of us think about ever losing a limb, but it happens a lot more than a lot of people think, whether it's for uh, medical reasons. A lot of people have you know, type 2 diabetes and things of that nature causes limb loss. You got a lot of uh, you know people who've lost limbs in other areas of work. I know farm accidents happen all kinds of things happen and if if that happens you want to be able to turn your attention to somebody who can take good care of you and that's where hortons comes in i've worked with hortons now it's been at least a decade yep that we've worked together I don't know exactly yeah. these guys are fantastic gary the the owner uh the 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 patriarch of the business who worked with nasa on the the articulating knee all the, you know so you didn't walk like a peg leg that you could actually walk and bend your bend your leg that's all important things that these folks do and then i like your commercials that you've cut here for the station because it really does show mike the empathy that you all have for your clientele that you want them to reach you know the highest state of mobility or the you know where they want to get to right well, and that's some of the things we'll talk about uh, today. Uh, I think it'll kind of make itself obvious. When, when you're a prosthetist and then you deal with amputees, from the amputees' perspective, you know, it goes both ways, but there's a relationship that's developed, and that's kind of what we'll talk about a little bit. But, um, you know, a lot of medical treatment or whatever, you, you know, if you sprain your ankle, you may see a physician or you may even see an orthodist and get a brace and you're in and out. And Why don't you, know, you grab that mic and pull it closer to there you? Go. There you go. And, you, uh, you know, you may not see that person ever again. When you're an amputee, obviously that's that limb loss is forever. So um, as you get back to life and and you develop the skills necessary to, to walk on a prosthesis, there's a lot of patient um, cl- clinician you know feedback, and you see each other a lot. Uh, you get to know that person, um, and we'll talk maybe a little bit some of that about some of that today. But um, really, bringing the amputees, I, that's what I want them to talk about. They they can obviously share you know what life's like, and that's that's what I want folks out there that. Especially if you're just now uh, having an amputation, or you know, I don't know where you're at in life, but you know, these guys are relatively young. They've um, they've had their amputation um, due to trauma, and they, I mean, they live very normal, active, healthy lives. And you know, they'll talk about some of the things they're involved in, and and that's my point as a practitioner is, I, I want whoever you are out there, I want you to be the most that you can be. All right, so with that in mind, why don't you introduce these guys, and then we'll we'll talk with them a little bit. Okay, well, we got Chris here. It's Chris Madison. He's actually uh, a, an attorney for the city of Bryant, uh, very active. He does a lot of— uh, Lift your hand and wave because you're on Facebook Live, so there you go. Facebook that way Live. they'll know. And uh, he's he, a uh, pretty active guy. I, I used to could somewhat keep up with him, and I can't anymore. We ride bikes and whatnot together, but he, he does these extreme triathlons and things like that now, so— he always drafts off of me. <laughs> and, but, okay, so prosthetic, is that right? Yeah. Yep. I'm, what, a, I'm what, a below knee amputee, right leg. Okay. Do you mind talking about how you lost your limb? No. Uh, 10 years old, boating accident, 
10 year old kid on a jet ski versus a boat with a driver oh. not paying attention and 10 year old a jet ski lose so, yeah uh could have been a lot worse the only injury i had besides my foot getting caught in the prop was a cut above my right eye so in the grand scheme of things very very fortunate i still have my knee i've got a pretty long residual limb um, almost too long in some ways it makes it hard for mechanics to fit in there but uh you know played baseball all growing up and went off to college and went off and was a police officer for a while then went off to law school and actually i got into sports again here in 2013 and that's when i came back to mike and that they've hortons has done my legs since college and uh 2013 is like you know i i want one of them running blade things and uh came to mike and worked on that and we got a running leg and then uh got biking legs and now i've got the whole closet full of legs to do different sports you're like a marvel cinematic university you know universal uh, guy yep pretty much you're like what i'm trying to think of who it is that i've seen that literally they talk about what they do and they're a huge athlete and it shows him sitting down on his bed and he's like changing legs Mm -hmm. you know his prosthesis it's not like he's unhooking his leg from his hip or something right but I think it's gone so it's come so far, Mike. No, you're I mean, right. It's come a long, a long, long. Even since we've known each other, it's yes. come a long way. Yes, yeah, it, the technology I, is amazing. Um, you know, and I don't want to give anybody false expectations, but you know, you should in your mind be able to do anything you think you're capable of doing. So if you're literally capable of climbing a mountain, you should be able to do that as an amputee. Um, you know, if it's running a triathlon or competing one no problem you know if you've lost your leg due to dysvascular disease and you're pretty involved as a patient and you've got dialysis those kind of things you know we Mm -hmm. have to shape those expectations obviously you're not going to be you know in a triathlon the next week but (laughs) yeah you know we want to get you back and and max out your what we call your functional potential we want you as functional as you can possibly be And, and just to add on that you know i got my running leg fitting me was preparing for my first marathon and was running in denver i was over there for an eeoc conference and that's how long how Uh, far a uh, marathon 26.2 miles okay with a leg that's not real okay that's right Mm -hmm. so shut up all right (laughs) saying go ahead but i I was i was training for this and uh i had done a three mile run and i wanted to do what block long intervals i've read of intervals let's do intervals it's where you run a block and walk a block and this was probably the third time I had run with my running leg, the, the right tool. Mm-hmm. And I'm running through Denver, Colorado, and, you know, I'm sprinting just as hard as I can on one block. And in my mind, I'm like this sprinter. You know, my hands are out. I'm going just as fast as I can. Next block, I'm walking. Well, it struck me that it was the first time in 28 years, because I lost my leg when I was 10, that I was able to run as fast as my body could go. Because before that, I'd always had, you know, walking legs. And the technology has changed so much that I now had a tool that could keep up with me. And uh, I, I describe the difference between the walking leg and the running leg. Imagine the walking leg, like going to a NASCAR event with a Ford Windstar with a blown head gasket and three flat tires. Okay. <laughs> Versus I'm the running ready. leg. I mean, that's the NASCAR car. And it really struck me as a you know 38-year-old man being able to run again. And it, now the rest of me had to get in shape to do that. Well, yeah. But having the tool to do it having the right mechanics to do it made a world of difference. And, you know, you talk about technology changes, that is a illustration of the change in technology. Very, very cool. Okay, now Derek is here as well. Yes. So, Derek, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. 
Evidently, you've got a prosthetic leg as well. Is that right? That's right. I, I have a, uh, a similar uh, scenario uh, with Chris. I'm a uh, below-knee uh, amputee on my right leg as well with, with uh, quite a bit of residual limb uh, remaining. Uh, five and a half years ago, I was injured in a hunting accident, and uh, I was actually shot thirty-six. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And... Uh, and, and, and lost my leg, you know, again, uh, below my right knee. Okay, so mm-hmm. what has life been from, for you? Well, it's been interesting, and, and uh, it's, it's certainly a very interesting chapter to my life. Uh, this is Limb Loss Awareness Month, and I would have never imagined such a scenario uh, happening in my life. And I remember uh, when I was in the hospital bed, my mother said something very profound, and she said, uh, you're going to meet so many more and interesting people that you never would have otherwise because of this. And that is absolutely borne out to be true. And, you know, as Mike said, uh, I live a, I, I do all the things I want to do. I, I live a very normal life. I, I climb pinnacle when I want to on nice days, and I play tennis and baseball and, and, uh, and, and still very active. Makes me want to cry. (laughs) I can't walk Crimp Pinnacle. (laughs) And I've got two good legs, all right? Well, that's the thing about Chris. I can speak directly on that because, you know, we ride in big groups. And, you know, you know how it is. We're out there training and we're, you know, at some point you're dying. And Chris like, come on, let's go. And he takes off and we all just look at each other like, okay, he's got one leg. (laughs) We got to go. I mean, we have to go, right? Yeah, man up. Man up. Come on, you sissies. You only got, you got both your legs. Let's go. Yeah, man up. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk further with folks from Hortons and uh, a couple of patients that uh, Mike has brought in. We're going to talk about how Hortons, when you come in, what you can expect, and then we'll talk with these guys and, and, and what happened the first couple of times that they went in, and then what kind of, of uh, relationship that they have now uh, with Mike Horton as well. Because it is Limb Loss Awareness Month, and I know you're thinking, yeah, I'll never lose a limb. Don't ever say that. You just never know what's going to happen uh, in your life. Hey, don't forget Hillcrest Designer Jewelry with their uh, Gemstones of the World three-day showcase event, May 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Gemologists and jewelers will be on site. Eric's going to be there. We just had Eric on the air. He was showing off some of the great jewelry that he has over Hillcrest. You can see some Colombian emeralds. Uh, they'll be presented by Francis Sanchez Guadavita from the Guadavita family. They own uh, three emerald mines in Colombia. And uh, she, since she's been able to walk, has been in those mines learning all about emeralds. And she's going to be there to talk to you about them. Again, that's May 3rd, 4th, and 5th, three-day showcase event, Gemstones of the World, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, and that's at 3000 Cavanaugh, right up in the Heights. All right, back. Let's uh, get back, talk to Mike a little bit more here on the Dave Ellswick Show and his guests, uh, Chris and Derek. And, and Mike, how well, do, how well do you know these guys? I mean, evidently Chris for quite a while. He's been knowing him since uh, high school five years ago, I think is what you said, Derek. That you, yes, five years yeah, ago. Did, did, did you start with Hortons right at the very beginning? I did. You know, it was a strange thing. Uh, I was lying in a hospital bed and... I, I hadn't made the inevitable decision to uh, amputate my right foot, and 
different folks were coming and sales pitching me to uh, join their prosthetic and orthotic places, which was a very, very strange experience for me. And, you know, immediately uh, I, Mike and I were very natural in, in with one another, and this is a lifelong partnership. We were talking before, unlike a primary care physician or uh, any outpatient surgery. This is a partnership um, that he and I together are working on trying to get me at, at the best I can be. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And you get to be pretty good friends, don't you? That's right. That's right. And, and of course, you know, we we, we try things and uh, see if uh, something works uh, in, in regard to uh, balancing or, or shifting weight around on my leg. And and. Uh, his accessibility is 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 wonderful. You know, particularly, uh, there's no time to necessarily wait for an appointment for three days uh, from now if I'm experiencing pain or if uh, the leg's not working like it's supposed to. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, uh, that's a pretty common thing. These these are mechanical devices. So, and I tell amputees that you know, the, there's going to be failure. There's going to be break, breakdown. So it's like your car. You know how it is. It's inevitable. You're, you got a, a deadline or somewhere you need to be and the car won't start well the same thing with the leg you have an issue or a problem with it we know that as practitioners you know come on in we'll see what we can do um and of course the the manufacturers that make some of the components and things like that are pretty good about you know the mm-hmm. same thing they're in the same industry so we're able to get those parts pieces or whatever usually the next day so but it, it's interesting there's a lot of car analogies that you know these <laughs> things they really are they'll, they'll fail but I think it's interesting uh, talking about Limb Awareness Month. You know, whenever I meet somebody for the first time, that's kind of my spiel. I don't, you know, I, obviously we're a business. We do orthotics and prosthetics, and I, I would love to to treat everybody. But um, you know, that's kind of our message: is we, you know, we want to have that experience, and we want we want to treat people how we would want to be treated. So when I go in, I, you know, I, I hate that part of my job. I don't want to come off as a salesperson. You know, I never want to come off as that. You know, what can I do to get you in a prosthesis today? And and I speak about that. I speak about the relationship. I try to tell these folks, you know, this is kind of the big picture. This is what you should expect the first month, the first six months, the first year, and on and on and on. And, and uh, you know, whoever it is you decide you're going to work with, that, that person is going to be there. And you want to kind of stick with them and, and develop that relationship because, you know, everybody's limb is a little different. And so you kind of go through some of these fitting issues, and yeah, talk a, talk a little bit. I mean, you walk in and you're talking to somebody who may have lost a limb three days ago, right? Well, and, you're right. And, in some and, situations, and that's not the best. I'm no. just saying it's not the best way to meet somebody. No, it's not. And that's the you know that's I don't get that reward till later. Usually, it's when they're actually fit with the process, right? Yeah, but nobody's coming in first day and like excited to see me. You know, I'm not a travel <laughs> agent or something like that. Like, hey, we're going to Europe. I want to go see Mike. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, so, you know, that comes later when they've rehabbed some, their, their, their limb is healed. They're ready to go. They've been either in wheelchair crutches or whatever for some time and, and they get up and they walk for the first time. And, and as a practitioner, that is, I think the most rewarding thing for what I do compared to, um, some other medical di- disciplines. My wife does therapy and she does great things. And sometimes that can take weeks, months, maybe even years. For an amputee, most times it's instant. You know, it may take you 12, 15 weeks to heal to get to the point to you're ready for the prosthesis. But, I mean, these folks come in in a wheelchair. They're rolling. And we put a prosthesis on them. And an hour later, they're walking out of our office. You can walk out, and, right? Yeah. And so that's a huge measure. You know, and I get to see that and experience that every day. It's amazing. 
So it never really struck me. Uh, you know, I thought about it. My dad's owned the business. My brother and my sister worked there. My wife's a therapist. I mean, I've grown up and been around amputees and people with disabilities my whole life. It wasn't until our very first commercial and uh, one of our uh, sales reps got a group of our patients together and we were getting ready to, to do a photo shoot and I walk into our conference room and there's like 15 people and it was l- overwhelming. I was literally not emotionally prepared for that. Never even thought about it. And I walk in and I see kids, grandmothers, CEOs, you know, baseball players, it, you know, whatever. I, I see all these people and it just literally hit me like a dozer. Like, oh my gosh, I've helped all these people. Mm-hmm. And they were here that day to, you know, talk about us, to talk about Hortons. And man, that was really, really emotional. So I, I couldn't believe it. I, I've never really thought about that. So my brother then has gone on to start a support group called ABLE, which is uh, Amputees Beyond Life Expectations. And to kind of talk about, you know, the theme of this month, you know, I don't know where you are on limb loss, if you've been an amputee for forever, if you're a brand new amputee, but it's a group of amputees. It's a support group. And I learned real fast. I knew a lot about prosthetics, and I did not know that much about being an amputee, even though I'd been around them my whole life. But hear their stories, some of the things they go through, the challenges, the emotional challenges, um, just you know how they feel about themselves. It was a really big eye opener. So I don't know. You guys maybe can talk about that. I don't, Chris. You've I think both of you've spoke. I'm going to start with 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 Derek because Derek has been an amputee for the shortest period of time and was older. When it occurred. That's right. I was 31 when I was injured, and uh, that was five and a half years ago. Can you? I've just got a few moments, so I'll stop you if I have to, but, okay. and then we'll pick it up on the other side of the news. But, you know, how difficult was that to come to grips with that? Well, you know, it, it was interesting. And um, luckily, I, I had so many silver linings with my friends and family and support um, in my community. Uh, it was again something that I would have never even considered a possibility. Sure. Um, uh, when I, it took a long time for me to to get into my prosthetic because I had a very sensitive and very damaged skin. I had skin grafts on each side, and mm. the incision uh, where the amputation occurred w- w- was uh, having trouble healing. And Mike suggested that I get a vacuum system. And at first, uh, this was uh, denied by the insurance carrier, and Mike made a compelling argument, and they uh, overturned that and um, allowed this uh, vacuum device. So there's a good example of what right. I talk about, what sets Hortons apart from a lot of other people, and and it also says a lot about Mike. That's exactly right. And, and the vacuum system is, um, I plug it in like a cell phone each night before I go to sleep, and I have a, these liners on the inside to create an airtight pocket. And I press the button to turn on the, uh, the vacuum, and, and it sucks air out, and much like those freezer vac commercials. And this makes a, a very secure fit on my residual limb, and including uh, uh, from, from the entirety of, of, the, uh, of where the liner is. Okay, I want you to hold on. We'll pick it up when we come back. Then we're going to talk with Chris as well, and we'll talk to Mike some well because we got to. We'll be back in a moment here on the Dave. All right, we're back. We're talking baseball. Guys, we'll pick it up on the next break. Talking about, let's talk about Carl Yastrzemski. <laughs> you who are great ba- baseball fans know who I'm talking about, the Yaz. He was a great player. But uh, I want to go back and, and let uh, uh, Derek finish up his, his explanation about how Mike helped him 
with the proper prosthesis to, to, to fit him with. Right. Mike got me into this vacuum system. Uh, the the traditional way that, that these uh, uh, prosthetics connect to uh, one's residual limb is a pin locking system. Again, all the, uh, the, uh, the weight is on the tip of the residual limb. Uh, the suction uh, created by this vacuum system allows that this um, evenly placed throughout uh, all the that's covered under my uh, under the uh, the liners mm-hmm. and again plug it in like a cell phone each night and i turn it on each morning and it it sucks air out and if i lose air pressure i can hear that hear it buzzing while i'm at my desk at work <laughs> it's very interesting it's kind of cool that it that that works that way right, now. right is is that a better way of doing it mike than the you know he was saying traditional way is just that you know where the bone and stuff is at if it's in and it, it depends some people aren't appropriate for it's what we call elevated vacuum so okay. there's different reasons we use different suspensions for different people so i yeah uh, and i again when i talk to new amputees i you know you're gonna go online you're gonna find stuff and ever whatever somebody wears that's the best for that person usually and so that's what they're gonna you know tend to be the champion for and it's not always necessarily appropriate for each individual so i, I, I caution people when you go out and you do research or you look just because you see a certain type of foot or a certain type of a way when you hang the prosthesis onto the limb may or may not be necessarily most appropriate for that particular person okay so before i go back and talk to chris let me ask you so what tells you what's the best kind of fit is there a you know this person because of this is better for you know, a, a, a certain fit? Yeah. There's several things you got to take into consideration. Some of it's the, the tissue of the residual limb. Is the only way we're going to understand that's just to be a, you know, a prosthesis guy like you? That'll get you close. Okay, well, instead, <laughs> of, us, then, instead of having you tell us, then maybe it's and best for me to say, like this is other, why yeah. Mike is so important. And then like any other profession, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, uh, I think that's why it's so important to have the right relationship and the right, you know, chemistry between the amputee and the process because you're not going to get it right every time. And some of these – it's what I call socketology. I mean, some people – you can do the same thing for 10 people in a row and it worked perfect, and then the 11th person come in and it's – for whatever reason, you can't get it figured out. And, I mean, it's a working relationship, and there's a lot of feedback. Uh, I think that's where new amputees make uh, mistakes is – they don't realize how integral their feedback and their communication is to the fit, and I don't think, and they just don't know. They don't know what it's supposed to feel like. They don't know that how limiting that can be. And I tell folks that you know, if you have both your feet, and you know, if you're if you step on something or you sprain your ankle and you walk funny, you're not the most efficient you can be. And it's the same thing with an amputee. If that it's what we call the interface. If if that socket doesn't fit right and it's uncomfortable and you're limping or unweighting it, and it could be very uh, you know, hard to notice. You don't even realize you're taking a shorter step or whatever. That's going to affect how, how functional you are in that prosthesis, and it could just be a fitting issue. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's as simple as managing what we call sock ply fit. Every MT usually has to deal with socks because their limb may change in shape throughout the day as they pump water or fluid or whatever out of it. So educating them on you know proper sock ply fit what what it's supposed to feel like and basically the take-home message i tell them is like if you wake up in the morning or if it's late in the day and you go i'm i'm not going to go to my daughter's basketball game because my limb hurts that you need to go see your prosthetist you need to come see me you know that i don't ever want the prosthesis holding you back you should never make a decision not to do something because this leg doesn't fit right or this leg doesn't feel right 
Okay, so it's at this point that I need to mention that you all do work downstairs. Yes. At uh, at Hortons that you can help the people, your patients, correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, these prostheses are made custom. They're every individual. When you come in, you're you're molded or scanned. We have a new 3D scanner. Um, you know, we use CAD CAM. Pretty interesting. Um, a little bit different way than what I've traditionally done it my whole career because i've made these things with my hands but but regardless of how you you get to that point you're you're taking an image of that person's residual limb and then we do little things to it there's areas that can tolerate pressure and areas that can't so there's some modifications but my point is this this thing is made uniquely for that individual so i can't take chris's leg and put it on Derek's, right even though they're both right i mean their limbs are so different there's no way that would work um and i gotta have the best prosthesis in the world if that fits not 100 percent you know, they're not going to, it's like having a motor, you know, you can have the biggest, baddest motor in your truck. If you've got little donut tires, your truck's only going to perform what those tires are allowed to. And that's the same thing with the prosthesis. You're, you're going to be limited to how well that thing fits. All right, Chris. So when you sit down and, and you're talking to Mike and you guys have had a, how many years now together? Uh, We're getting old. 20, going on 20 years. A couple of decades. Yeah. I mean, I had uh, actually uh, before Mike, I had Clarence who was there forever. And then I went to Mike when Clarence retired. So a former prosthetist at Horton's was my first prosthetist. And then I got handed off to Mike and been going ever since. Okay. So you you go in and I mean, it's got to be an open. Oh, yeah. You know, relationship kind of and, and be able to talk to each other. I mean, do you look at him and say, what are you trying to do to me? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and and he, he looks at me and says, what are you doing to my legs? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I Why are make, you making that walk bad? Yeah. <laughs> I'm making I'm, – I try to break stuff. I'll have him make stuff and see if I can break it. Um, you know, and, and it is absolutely true that you have to have that relationship because – there's so much they can see when they watch your walk, they, 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 when they watch you stride. But part of it is you're there in the facility, so it's not like you're out in an open area and it's a little harder to get the natural gait. But there's certain things, alignments, you know, like when I'm with Mike, he can he can tune me to 90, 95% most of the time, just eyeballing it. But the last little bit is requirement of me and just the feel of it and whether, you know, like my, how my shoes are or how my leg size is that day. And, you know, Mike talked about sock fits. And, you know, imagine your foot swelling and shrinking, but your shoe stays carbon fiber the same. Well, you have to put a thicker sock on or a thinner sock to kind of feel that difference. And that's not a bad fit. It's just part of the day. Like when I'm doing an endurance race, for example, I carry a couple extra socks with me because I'm going to sweat. I'm going to my stump is going to shrink. And, you know, five hours into a run or a bike ride, I'm going to need to add a sock. I just, it's just, I know what it is. And part of that is the experience. Part of it is talking with the prosthetist and getting that fit dialed in so you have that flexibility that you can make the adjustments with just, you know, a few socks. And uh, Derek was talking about elevated vacuum. I've tried elevated vacuum. I didn't like it. My stump didn't like it. It was like putting a hickey on my stump and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> it hurt. And, and I'm in a pin lock. But part of it also is is the like the sports activities I do, do a triathlon, I swim without a leg, then I put a leg on, I go through transition, I put a bike leg on, go bike, come back, put the run leg on. Well, my pin lock, I hit a button, legs off. Mm-hmm. Click into the next leg, I'm going. So, I mean, like my right shoe changes are way faster than my left shoe changes because I just hit a pin. And uh, so that works well for me. Also, I've been in it a long time. I'm comfortable with that system. 
But as a talk about the relationship, you know, you absolutely have to have trust and faith in your your prosthetist because they're building that. Anybody can pretty much do the below the socket. I mean, that's just bolt together parts. In fact, I have a Franken leg that I've bolted together. I use it for the lake, and it's all leftover parts, things like that. But the socket is something I can't do. Getting that fit is mm-hmm. something that I need somebody with art and skill and training to do. And then I have to be able to go in and say, well, it's hurting here, or I'm getting a little pressure there, and there's tricks where he'll go in and you know grind out a little bit of it. And it's like, oh, why did you grind it there? And it makes perfect fit. It's not what you would think, but it's just the way the biomechanics work. And I've got to have that relationship to be able to communicate that with him. Yeah. All right, so let me go back and and and, and talk with uh, Derek. Is it the same? How long did it take for you to hit that sweet spot where you could sit and and talk to Mike and and you yourself understood what your part of the whole process was? Right, and, and Chris mentioned this. And Mike has said many times before that he knows a lot about prosthetics, but he's not an amputee himself. And particularly when a person is a new amputee, all this is very new. And so th- this relationship is very important. And, of course, Mike's an excellent communicator. But what we're trying to you know, uh, achieve together is he, we have to explain to him what we're feeling. And he's, he, he's uh, watching us walk and making sure that uh, things are balanced and our toe is, is at the right uh, stiffness up front. And, uh, you know, trying to communicate uh, uh, to, to figure out the, the best route. Because, again, you know, particularly early on, I, I don't know necessarily what to You don't even know to what expect. to ask, right? Right, right. And, and if I might real quick, that's part of what, like, the ABLE group, because I've spoken to amputees and available to it, is, is a new amputee. You don't know what it's supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I have 30-something years. So you – network with others and you're able to pick their brain about you know what should feel right what shouldn't and like mike said if at any point you're not doing something because your prosthesis hurts you need to go talk to your guy or or gal i mean that's that your leg should never be a limitation on you like that now there may be underlying medical issues or you know diabetic circulatory issues things like that that the prosthesis can't fix but if you're having problems then you need to go get it fixed i mean that's just all there's to it. Yeah, you should at least you know go in and have an evaluation and see what's going on because a lot of times you can we can make it we can make it better mm-hmm. um, and it's real subtle like these guys are saying when we first fit a prosthesis we don't just bolt a foot on them and we have an idea of their alignment. Some people are knock knees, some people are bow leg or whatever, and we kind of take that into account when we initially set these things up. But it's a lot like our car alignment. You know, when these amputees actually get up and they get going, it's just like a car. You don't realize your car's out of alignment until you get on the interstate. That's right. You know, and if you let go of the steering wheel and it starts pulling one way or the other. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see that when it's bad. And then I'll get it tuned in, and these guys are walking, and to us it looks fantastic. Well, they can still feel things that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I try to educate our, our patients on is, like, you know, we're going to get to the point where, you know, this, this you know the, the changes we make and all these little micro changes, it's going to be based off of what you tell me. And it's funny how they describe it. I mean, you'll, I'll hear things like, it feels like I'm stepping in a hole or it feels mm-hmm. like I'm walking uphill or downhill or it feels like my knee's going this way. And those are cues that I use because when I watch them walk, they look perfectly normal. And, I mean, these screws on these things, I'll turn them a sixteenth of an inch, and then they'll take a few steps and I'm like, oh, that's so much better. It's amazing how little of an adjustment can make a huge impact on how, how this thing feels. So, Right. And, you know, you touched on it earlier. I remember – and I masked 
quite often, did it take a long time to learn how to walk again? And, and no. And Mike said a couple of weeks ago, I came in on crutches and walked out with them under my arm mm-hmm. uh, when I uh, was finally into That'd my That'd be prosthetic. a pretty good feeling, oh, it's huh? It's a great feeling. It's a, it's a wonderful feeling, yeah. All right, we got to get another break, final break, and then we'll come back and have our final segment. We're talking with Hortons. Uh, of course, uh, Mike is here. Mike Horton, he's one of the sons. Gary is the patriarch. Then you got Mike, you got Chris, you got Tanya. She's over in uh, Bryant, mm-hmm. where she's at. How are all the satellite uh, offices going? We're going great. We just opened up in Conway recently. So, that's what I heard. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's, been that's why we changed our frequency. <laughs> I'm just Thank kidding. <laughs> so if well, I could hear us really well, they can hear us all the way to Moralton now. All go. right, don't forget it's strawberry season, and when it's strawberry season, there's only one place that I talk about, and that's Holland Bottom Farms. They got the best strawberries I have ever tasted in my lifetime. Twelve twenty-five uh, uh, out there on the uh, Bill Foster Memorial Highway in Cabot. Go out there and pick some strawberries up. They're open from early in the morning, about 9 o'clock, all the way to the evening, about 6. And, uh, I mean, they're just the best strawberries that you could have. Now, if you, I've heard a lot of people say, I've never gotten them, Dave, because I don't live in Cabot. Okay, so let's go and look at, uh, you know, some uh, satellite places. How about Van in Searcy on uh, the a van out there in Searcy on East Race Street, that's across from the hospital at the Conoco Station, the corner of Highway 5 and Rockwood. There's a red truck that sits right under a carport there. It's got a big sign. All these have a big sign with strawberries on them. The Chennault Parkway and Kirk across from Kroger. And uh, they've got plenty of strawberries right now. You head by and pick some up this evening. My suggestion, you top them, you quarter them, you throw them in a, uh, you know, a, a drainer and you wash them down real good, throw them back in the bowl. I eat mine without sugar, so I put Splenda on them, mix it in, sit it in the refrigerator overnight, and they'll be so juicy you won't believe it the next day. I got to have a lot of juice to go along with the cake and, the, and of course, the, uh, the whipped cream. But try Holland Bottom strawberries. They are absolutely excellent, and strawberry season is officially here now. Back with you. I'm glad that I'm watching Russ because he points at me and tells me I'm coming back on. So there's sometimes sheep lie too. <laughs> you do a good job. All right. So, what do people need to think about, uh, Mike, uh, if they find themselves in the situation where they need a, a prosthetic? I mean, should they be called should call you from the hospital and say can you come by and see me or you know what do they do yeah exactly uh just call tell them you want to do what's called a prosthetic consultation i also encourage new mts to you know check out other companies it also depends on where where they're going to live you know if you're from el dorado we don't provide services there but there are a couple other facilities there and i tell them when you go down there check with everybody you may like one provider not the other or vice versa so you're 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 establishing a relationship. So part of it, you know, you want a good, competent process. It uh, never hurts to, you know, check their credentials, make sure that they're licensed, those kind of things. But you're also filling them out, you know, their personality. And there's 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 nothing wrong with not clicking with somebody and and, yeah. and working with someone else. I mean, you know, it's, I get it. It's just like a physician. You know, you, you shouldn't have to go to the, that doctor just because that's, you know, that's where your mom went or that's where your husband or wife goes. I mean, if you, you know, like that person, great. And if not shop around 
Yeah, I just, I, uh, Alan McKenzie used to be my primary care physician. He left mm-hmm. me in primary care, and I, they brought in another doctor at the, uh, the clinic, did not like her, just didn't like her, didn't like her, right. quote, bedside manner, and I'm visiting another doctor now. I mean, it's just something, some things work and some things don't. Exactly. It's, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm a good prosthetist. I try to do the best job I can do. But if, you know, if, I, if I'm not that person, you have trouble communicating with me or whatever, that's, I get it. Um, you know, so I encourage everybody as new MTs, you know, get with a prosthetist, you know, learn about it. Um, and then I like doing it from the very get go. If you're facing an amputation and you're not sure you want to do it and you want a prosthetic consultation or if you're you have had an amputation you want to learn about it you know i like being there on the front end because i I really think it's important to have your expectations shaped appropriately you know i mean obviously derek and chris here uh they're young they're very active they're strong but they're they're able to do the things they can do because they're able to do the things they can do you know most amputees you know are you're talking about elderly vascular geriatric type folks and you know, sometimes if they're losing their limb through a disease process, they can be very deconditioned. So we're not 100% what their functional potential may be because they haven't felt good in so long. Right. You know, you're going to go through a rehab process. So a lot of times these people actually function better, you know, 12, 15 weeks later as they get their amputation because the bad leg's been taken off of them. I mean, these people can be septic and have other underlying conditions going on that limits just their, their whole functional level, not just their amputation. But, I mean, you know, they're just literally sick. All right, so Derek, let me just jump in and talk to people that find themselves in this position. You, you, you're not that far separated from that time. That's right, and uh, you know more so than a dentist or a primary care physician. Uh, this is a relationship with with these shared goals that that um, where where communication is paramount, particularly early on, um, where there are so many unknowns, and we're trying to to um, come to this, uh, this these share and reach these shared goals of of getting a person active again and you know what mike does again there's no one size fits all uh, prosthetic and so he's able to uh, uh, you know cultivate these uh, relationships and these uh, scenarios to to uh, develop someone to and obviously, the hope is to get out of the wheelchair, you know, et cetera. Right. Uh, again, I'm fortunate to, that I was in decent shape and 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 still young enough to uh, to be able to to do this uh, easier than most. Um, I'm asked all the time that and told all the time that I must be fine now and never have any pain anymore since I, I look like I'm doing fine. But and of course, that's not true, and it, it is a constant uh, a constant issue. And again, unlike a dentist, uh, this is a constant thing that I'll be working with Mike uh, for the rest of my life. All right. I appreciate you coming in, Mike. Thanks for having us. Anytime. Always good to have you here. Tell Chris thanks when you see him next time. Derek, thanks for uh, to you for coming as well. Appreciate it. Interesting to hear your hear your story, and what's really interesting is hearing two guys that are using completely two different techniques uh, for their prosthetics and how it works differently for every person that you have to take care of mike and here's the big thing i always talk about you on the air and that that you spend a lot of time with your patients and about the empathy factor and that's a huge huge deal as far as i'm concerned because everybody i've ever talked to that's worked with you talks about that about you that you try really hard and that 
you become friends. I mean, I forget when when you guys opened the Brian office and I was over there, I did a live remote with you. I remember a couple of guys coming by that you'd worked with and they talk, they just raved about you because of that. Well, that's awesome. I, that makes me feel good. Thanks. Well, that should make you feel good. You do your job and you do it very, very well. If you need any help, go to Horton's. What's the number over there? Um, 501-663-2908. We have a 1-800 number. It's a 800, obviously. Uh, it's a 331-2908. That's it. You had to turn around and look at Rebecca Cox. We've got so many numbers and new offices. And And Facebook. (laughs) Find them on Facebook. Yeah, look us up. We fit a little girl, what, last week? 18 months old. Check it out. Wow. First time she stood. That's okay. We'll take a look at that. I'll make sure I look at that for a fact. All right, got a break. Got Fox News. We'll be back. And then uh, Conduit for Action joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into 4 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage. It's your number one choice for recycled auto parts, and they really, really come in handy. I got a 2009 uh, Corolla. I've already put a new tran- or, or, or a uh, uh, Sonny's Auto Salvage transmission into it. Got a three-year uh, warranty on it, parts and, and labor and unlimited miles, and we just uh, had a problem with the engine develop and we're going to have to put a new engine in the car and better to do it this way than to take on a brand new, uh, you know, car payment. I don't want to do that. So I, I called RD, uh, he's found the engine. Uh, he's going to uh, get it in. He'll give me a call. We'll find out what the price is going to be. His folks will do the work for me. They got the technicians that can take the old engine out, put the new engine in I'll get a uh, probably a three-year uh, warranty on it and uh, unlimited mileage, and the car will be ready to go uh, for at least uh, three to six years, I would expect. Now they got uh, the rebuilt engine going in and have that uh, brand-new uh, transmission sitting there. It was literally almost brand-new, not very many miles on that Corolla that they took it from. So if you want to get a part, Uh, and make sure that your car is going to run right the way it should have when you first bought it, then you need to call Sonny's. Talk to RD. Let him help you out. Call 982-7451. 982-7451. You know all about me. It's all about uh, the dollars. If you're going to save money by putting in a a Sonny's Auto Salvage uh, motor, uh, instead of buying a, a brand new car, I think it's a no brainer. I mean, I really do. I just think it's a no brainer. So give RD a call 982-7451. That's Sunny's auto salvage. Your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Okay. Let's go to the phones. We're going to head up to Northwest, uh, Arkansas and join with uh, Brenda and with Joe conduit for action. A lot of, uh, Things going on. We're getting close to uh, May the 7th when uh, early voting begins and things are starting to heat up out on the campaign trail, y'all. I mean, I'm I'm seeing, uh, you know, elected officials posting on, uh, you know, social media about different candidates and, and saying, I support this person or I support that person. It's, uh, it's starting to get uh, interesting. Is it not you guys? Unbelievable. Uh, Joe's here, but he's out having to take a business call. But um, I just text you what Jason Rapert said about Jan Morgan. Boy, it's tough, isn't it? Well, I, you know, 
to be honest with you, that's just what I expect to see uh, during an election year. Tempers sometimes run high. Passions run high. And when that happens, uh, people start letting it fly a little bit. And to say that Jason let it fly, it's kind of an understatement, but he let it fly. <laughs> yep. Um, have, have you had Jason on the show lately? I have not. I well, think the last... You know, Jason never... I mean, uh, at least some women, Jason does not give warm, fuzzy feelings, you know? Yeah. Well, last time that I had Jason on was when uh, we were talking about the Ten Commandments monument after it had been knocked down and uh, how it was going to be restored and things of that nature. That's the last time that I had him on. Haven't had to have him had him on. Haven't had anything uh, going on that he was involved with, so to speak, other than that at that time. So uh, I'm sure I'll have him on uh, here uh, after, as we get close to the uh, the election down in November, that he'll be wanting to get on and, and talk and things of that nature. But, uh, of course, next year he'll definitely play a part because he's one of those uh, seniority guys that um, is in the Republican Party, and he's considered a leader. So that's something that, you know, we'll have to talk to him about. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because it, it, it is. It's heating up now. A lot of, lot of things coming from both sides. And, uh, you know, how, how do you feel about it, Brenda? Does it seem the civility uh, seems to be slightly disappearing now? Would you agree? Well, you know, like you saw the um, the information about the DNC suing the Trump campaign. Yes. And, and including uh, Russia. They're going to sue Russia. Can't wait to see, uh, you know, the collection of the judgment on that one. And suing uh, WikiLeaks. And I think that watching uh, the ethics complaints that have been filed the last few days by Ray Hackworth in, in the Jonesboro area against uh, two or three candidates, and and it really leads one to the conclusion in the political arena, um, an attack or you know a claim against someone is just as productive as a uh, conviction. You know, an accusation equals a conviction. Yes, I agree with that. World. Yeah, they tried. They they paid in a lot of people. I mean, it's like this whole, you know, uh, you know, hashtag Me Too. If somebody says that you sexually harassed somebody, you're automatically found guilty. There is no due process given. Well, exactly right, and uh, uh, you know you can you can learn a lot about the quality of a of a uh, candidate when you see what the, how they respond. Uh, when you see, a, uh, I've watched debates uh, or one debate between uh, Brian King and Bob Ballinger last week, and then they, they debated again in Huntsville. I got a report on that debate, and to hear what was said was quite interesting. Uh, you know, Bob Ballinger reported that he did support the Medicaid uh, disclosure bill that Brian King uh, put forth, even though he was chairman of the committee and, and uh, you know, did not move uh, for it to be uh, you know, voted on and certainly didn't. And he also said that he was um, against the bill that he amended for FOIA. So, you know, some of these clarifications that these candidates are making are really uh, jaw droppers. Yeah, I, I was reading some stuff over the weekend, and it's, you know, uh, there's been some pretty, uh, uh, 
I guess, how do I want to put this? I'm trying to put this in in a way that doesn't sound absolutely negative, but there's been some some people getting on social media, people that people know, Nate Bell, to, to be exact, uh, that has attacked uh, one or another candidate and has said things. And, you know, to be honest, it's hard to know what is being said, what's true, what's not true. Things of that nature. I mean, I read an article by you all. You got it footnoted, and I can go back and I can look at the footnotes and follow up on on uh, votes on bills and things of that nature. But there's a lot of stuff coming from both sides that, well, it was this way or that way, and you don't know who to believe. Well, that's why we try to footnote everything. Joe just walked in. I'll get his take on uh, candidate claims, Joe. Yeah, well... What, what do they say? They say the other candidate's lying or they're misrepresenting. I mean, can you imagine, Dave, that a, a politician would misrepresent anything? I would never. I've never met one. And, and you know, so they, <laughs> they say, well, they even say that about us, right? They say, you know, they, they propagate lies. But it's really odd that they never specifically say, here is the lie. I mean, we've really never had anything challenged that we've written. Or said, it's just that after the fact, somebody says it's a lie, but they don't say which part was a lie, and they, they can't prove it because that's not what we do. But it's easy to throw out that kind of a claim, and it, you're right, it, it makes people believe everybody's a liar, don't trust any of them, and, and it, I think that works to the advantage of the people that will lie the most because, you know, it, I think it's pretty common that if two people are offering you something, people tend to gravitate towards the person that they think can actually deliver. And if both of them are lying, who's going to actually deliver what they are claiming they're going to deliver, even though it's a lie? That's who the voters will will tend to go towards. If you want free stuff, you're going to tend to gravitate towards Democrats because you think they're more likely to give you more free stuff. But they're still lying about what they're going to give you, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I I agree wholeheartedly what you're saying. The thing that I want everybody, I wish everybody was un, would understand, is that the primary is the time when you ferret out who you want to be the party's nominees. After the after people have decided who who is going to you know be the the leader out there for the party, the banner carrier, so to speak. That's the person I believe you should follow uh, because I want Republicans in office. I don't want Democrats in office. Well, let me ask you this question then. And, and I generally agree with you. If the Republican Party brand is being damaged by the establishment, for lack of a better word, or a specific candidate, then why would we want to support that person? ruining the brand further because i believe if you put a democrat into that office they're not going they don't even carry the republican brand they carry something as far i call it evil i'll be honest with you i think the the democratic platform is an evil platform i've said things that are even stronger than that i won't get into them here but the bottom line is i'll you know I, uh, I'll stand by my statement that I've made before. I'll vote for the worst Dem- or a worst Republican before I'll vote for the best Democrat. 
So, so a, an honest Democrat that will actually do what he tells you is better than a Republican that lies to you. Not better. He's just no. Worse. Or is a better choice or a worse the, the choice. Republican, yeah, he'd be a worse choice because what he's going to do is not even close to the brand that we want to have. At least you'll be somewhere around where we want to be with a Republican. Well, you, you would hope that to be true, but I, I think that it can be actually opposite that in some cases. But uh, your point's well taken. I mean, that's that's just the way that I carry. I, I believe that that's what the primaries are for. It's to get the people in there. If it's if you think that there's somebody that's holding an office and you believe that there's another person who would do a better job, then, uh, you know, you you got to hope that the people that uh, that vote for that other candidate, if that's who they want, can win if they can't they don't i mean i just think that that's the way that the the process works it's not i'm not saying it's infallible i'm just saying it's the best that we got well dave arkansas has a different situation now i think what you just said uh worked for us up until this past uh election cycle we have when we have a super majority um, I think that now we're looking only at the primaries and we're, we're choosing among Republicans and we're, we're new at this. You know, maybe this is a transitional governor, a transitional legislature as we mature into do we want a conservative Republican or a moderate Republican. And Arkansas now is making choices in that arena, not I'd still rather have this lousy Republican than a Democrat. I mean, the race is almost pretty much done in most areas of Arkansas with the Republican primary. Well, I'll be honest with you. Everywhere that I've been, that I've walked, and I've been in several states. I was in Texas when they went to a majority uh, Republican uh, legislature. I was in Indiana when they switched, and I was up in North Dakota when they switched. And Indiana is a prime example. I think Arkansas looks like it's following the lead of what Indiana had. And that is the first few years that they were in power. Uh, they did a few things, but they tended to be a little wishy-washy at times. And then it solidified and, uh, has become a, a very, uh, conservative Republicanism, uh, that's at there, uh, up there. I mean, with, with Pence and all of them that were in there now, I haven't been up and read what's going on here le- uh, uh, lately, but uh, it, it, I think you got to find your sea legs, so to speak. Yeah, that's our hope, and I guess that's what Joe means about you know how we select a Republican, which which type that we prefer. Do we want one that's going to ruin the brand? Yeah, I mean, if we have Republicans that are obviously doing exactly what the most harsh critics on the other side would claim, like your Jake Fileses and your Mike Neals and your John Woodses. I mean, the, why would anybody want, you know, how would, how would you or I convince somebody, hey, join the Republican Party? We've got crooks, but they're better crooks than those crooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, every party has... They're trying to be telling the truth. Yeah, every party has uh, has their their people that break the law. We've We've had ours. I would have hoped that we wouldn't run into that but uh, for whatever reason you know people get a little bit of power they think they can get away with you know breaking the law and looks like to me none of them are going to get away with it i think they're all going to be found uh found guilty uh either i don't know about files i don't know if he's going to end up in jail or not i would hope he does 
I think Woods will be found guilty, and I think he's going to end up doing time in jail as well. It's it's a sad situation, uh, but that's something we got to you know be able to get a, get above uh, with the candidate that we replaced them with. You know, there's a, you mentioned those few, Dave. There's there's a a non it's not an insignificant list of others that have not been charged and not been brought up in the news that are very guilty of a lot of things as well that that we've run across. We'll see what happens there. It's the, the ones that go unpunished that that I'm concerned about. All right. We'll be back. I got to get a break in, y'all. Let's take our break, and when we come back. We'll continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got uh, Conduit for Action on the air with us right now, and uh, they're going to be with us during this hour. We've got Brendan Joe with us. We've got a lot to talk about. Transparency and accountability are coming up next, but we're going to talk about, and that's a really important story. Great story yesterday in the uh, um, Demgaz op-ed that we need to talk about uh, because when it came to GIF funds, very little accountability, and that goes against both parties terribly. And the Republicans should be ashamed of what they've done as well as the Democrats. Dave Ellswick Show, in a moment, we'll be back. You know, when you're looking for uh, that special food or or a treat for your dog or your cat, or maybe you've got an exotic animal, you've got a bearded lizard, or you've got uh, a uh, South African uh, parrot or whatever, uh, you need to go to Safari Pets. They have everything you'll need for taking care of your pet or your pets. And when I say they'll take care of your pet, I mean whatever pet you got. You know, you got uh, hedgehogs or chinchillas, you got ferrets, you got a dog, you got a cat, you got a turtle, you got a tarantula, you got a scorpion. Safari Pets can help you out. They got everything you need. They're the largest independent pet store in Arkansas. Here in the near future, they'll have their second location open. That will be in Conway. And you and Conway are going to be able to go to Safari Pets and find out what it means to truly be serviced by a great pet store where you walk in and they got people on the floor that will answer your questions dealing about a variety of animals that uh, you might own that maybe other people wouldn't want as a pet, but you would want as a pet. Right now in Cabot, they're at 808 West Main. Their phone number, 501-628-0067. They're at safari-pet.com on the internet. And uh, they can take good care of you. They also offer grooming, by the way. Give them a call at that 628-0067 number and uh, set up an appointment because they're really, really busy. All right, back with uh, Brenda and Joe here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Guys, we're down to just a minute to to play, uh, to uh, go here in this half hour. Uh, We went a little long in the first segment When we come back, I'd like to talk about that Sunday editorial because I thought that it was really good. I I appreciate you uh, sending that to me, Brenda, but I had it because I picked up a Sunday paper at Walmart and uh, and I came across it. And they're right. And the thing that really bothers me is the whole thing about gift money and the way it's it's still being used. And there's no uh, there's no responsibility or accountability 
on this stuff and and we we need to talk about it when we come back so you guys stay uh stay seated where you're at relax we'll be back in a moment we got to get to fox news bring you the latest on fox news and then i got another half hour with uh, brenda and joe and we're going to talk about it i mean can you imagine giving hundreds of thousands of dollars or or low millions of dollars to a politician and just saying spend it any way you want that's just crazy all right back all right back with you here on the dave ellswick show until i get shut up time for me to talk now it's been a monday you know that it has been a monday but that's okay time for me to talk so let's get back to brenda and joe because this is something that's been in under my skin for a long long time y'all this this has been going on ever since i've been in arkansas and that's now this year is 18 years that i've been on the radio here in the little rock area and that is this whole gift funding which has now been gift funds are not there anymore and now the governor gets the money in a kind of in a slush fund and nobody says yeah you can spend that money that way it's like handing out walking around money and hand it out uh and and use it the way you want to and supposedly you're always doing uh, good about it and we've got you know the whole woods thing that's going on we've we've seen other cases where uh, other politicians have used this money in uh, spurious ways. I just, it, it, this drives me crazy. Something has got to be done that all this money has got to pass through some kind of vetting process. Would would you all agree to that? Yeah, I mean, I would take the position the vetting process is a three-fourths vote of the legislature. Anything short of that is going to have this, these kind of problems, whether it's the governor or... Well, yeah, whether it's you, me, uh, I don't know anybody who would not be susceptible to having the control over that much money and being, uh, you know, assailed and, and tempted by so many different people to spend that money in ways that benefit oneself the best of us would be susceptible to that and, and not just yourself but for you know favors and power. yes i mean it, it yeah i'm i'm with i'm with i'm with you brenda with favors and things i mean there you can't live a life and not get to know people that you know run nonprofits and in all kinds of things and suddenly you got all this money and you go oh hey I'm going to hand. I'm going to get you guys five or ten thousand dollars so that you can use it for your uh, your nonprofit. That's just not the right way to spend money, especially taxpayers' money. Well, when you look at Arkansas's constitution and you dig into it and you live a little while and look at the the problems and the ways that you can fail, uh, you'll see how wise our our constitution is when it says three-fourths of the legislature is to vote to pass any spending bill. And, and spending can't be for a specific person, can't be unless that three-fourths body votes for it. Well, I, I guess I uh, am of the opinion, instead of that money being handed out the way it's being handed out, that it, it needs to be in the general fund. And it's just as you're saying, Brenda, it should be brought up in the legislative process go through the committees go through the vote and uh in in the case of spending taxpayers money the three-quarters vote 
to to give it to go ahead or to not to give it to go ahead. Well, well, that kind of brings us to the rainy day fund. Now, you know, on the surface, most people would would probably agree that having a little reserve uh, for emergencies would be wise, especially true in your personal financial life. When we do that with the government, though, uh, that that starts to generate this kind of thing. Now, why wouldn't we subject all the spending to the three-quarter vote rule? Plus, if there's an emergency, instead of saying we've got to spend more money, make a choice. If that emergency is not great enough to do without something else that's already budgeted, then it's probably not that big of a deal. And there's a special session that can be called shortly so, for three-fourths you know, vote. Why have that money sitting there somewhere waiting to be spent in a corrupt manner? Let's just say, okay, well, we're not going to build this highway because we need to help these people in Helena for their flood. I mean, that's the hard choices that we'd like these people to make. Not everything's an emergency, and we need a bunch of money sitting on the sidelines waiting for us to make up an emergency or to characterize something as an emergency. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of fraction, you know, needs to advertise more. That's an emergency to me. I've lived a lot of my life with my budget as an emergency. I mean, you know, I, I always <laughs> felt like I just had to have a certain, you know, whatever I liked. That's exactly right. I mean, it, it, so, it's, you know, that's the way of manipulating the public, I think, with these rainy day funds. Well, you know, rainy day funds are... You know, as as David Crow and I used to re- refer uh, to it as walking around money when the, the politicians, and I used to call it, of course, you know, the grip and grin, so that you go out and you gave $1,000 to some place a, for a, a fence at a ballpark, and you get the picture in the local paper of you shaking the hand of the parks director and looking at the camera and everybody's shaking hands and, and grinning at it just so that you get some extra votes. I mean, that that's not what tax money was ever supposed to be used for. Something else I would like for the listener to be aware, listeners to be aware of it is the, uh, you know, idea of grant money. These, these special uh, projects can apply for a grant. You know, a community uh, organization that needs money, they can apply for a grant or this grant or that grant. We have nonprofits who are partnered with the government and they were applying for grants. Someone asked me, well, is it Conduit a nonprofit? I said, yes, it is a nonprofit, but there are different kinds. There's the nonprofit that takes government grants and those who mm-hmm. do not. And, of course, Conduit does not take any government money. But we almost have an epidemic in Arkansas right now, and you can sort of look at maybe this back as far as Clinton and I'm sure further back, but you have nonprofits uh, foundations who who take grant money and you know the deal with Rusty Cranford he worked for a nonprofit that was uh, receiving grants providing services uh, that kind of thing so it gets to be a really uh, hard thing when one person can decide yeah or a committee of people appointed by one person with all the authority over the money can decide what organization should be uh, a grant should be bestowed upon them I'm not sure that it gets us anywhere down the road where we want to be uh, more, you know, have more accountability. We might just have more people who are willing to put a rubber stamp on something. I mean, we already had that uh, economic development commission with people doing a rubber stamp. Why would 
applying and then granting, a, you know, giving a grant when the governor told you to do that, why would we think that there would be any wall of resistance? Well, you know, the other thing that everybody needs to consider, and I hope that they rectify this, hopefully in 2019 session, probably not, but I I hope springs eternal when a new session begins, kind of like being a Cub fan. But the bottom line is that uh, they took this money away from uh, the legislators because uh, they saw it for what it was. I mean, and the people of Arkansas saw it for what it was. It was money to buy votes with. So what makes everybody think that just because you passed it over to the governor, it takes that away? It's the exact same thing. That money has to be divvied up in a different way. Would you all agree with that? Well, well, here's the thing. I, I believe more people would agree than not that this money should never go through the government's hands to start with. It should stay at the local level. If there's a fire department that needs money, then that county needs to find the money to do it. And let's lower the state taxes. And if you're going to raise taxes on the county level, that's right closest to the people. And they can see this uh, debauchery that these people get into a lot clearer than they can see it going on in Little Rock or in Washington, D.C. Now, you know, for me personally, I would rather see the federal income tax at 10% and the state income tax at 20. You know, and then the and then the local income tax or uh, property taxes and all those things, you know, go up because it needs to stay as close to where it's used as possible and then people can, you know, they can really know what's going on. And if it's kept as close as possible, they can get in, we get rid of special elections and they go to a, uh, a primary voting day or you go to the regular voting uh, election day and then let the people closest to uh, the money that needs to be used for their area make the decision where that money goes to. You know, that sounds a little bit too much like a democracy. I think the people, the people would prefer, the people in office anyway, would prefer the kleptocracy that they have now yeah i much rather i like federalism and you you know that about me joe i much would rather see federalism than to see you know uh centralized government like hamilton wanted exactly and then we could we could do that but it would take a big effort yes it would a lot of strong principled people to make that happen and i don't know that those are the ones in control of things very many places now yeah, and that I will agree with as well. Uh, the whole Tenth Amendment and federalism argument has uh, been put in the back burner. At one time, it was on the front burner, and it was hot. It was real hot, but uh, has kind of run out of steam, which happens. It's very difficult to keep people focused on getting uh, specific things taken care of. You know, you like this article, and it to me the guts of it is the purposeful lack of accountability purposeful being the key word there you mm-hmm. know uh and and we've got to dig in deep enough to see that it's the system is designed uh for failure and if that's what we have to have because we're run by men let's just give them less money well that's even better huh? i'm all about cutting taxes for real and reducing and then starving government i mean i'm all about that well you know what happens as soon as you try that 
and, and people, it's pain point politics. You know, uh, the minute you give them a penny less, it's the highways are crumbling and, you know, people are dying in, in the hospitals because they don't have care. Mm-hmm. Teachers are going to quit and policemen and firemen and all this other, right? Yep. It always happens. Get past that wave of resistance and, and accept the fact that government has to have less and then hold them accountable for doing the right things with what they do have. Uh, we can we can make a difference here in Arkansas. And I don't uh, disagree with you, Joe. The problem is is getting people to agree to do it that way. And as of yet, I've neither seen Democrat or Republican who have made that decision. Well, one group, one of those groups claims to want that. <laughs> All right, well, let's get a break in. Then we'll come back, finish up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, uh, Joe, there was something that you specifically wanted to speak to, and uh, we'll pick that topic up when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show 101.1 here FM on uh, The Answer. Okay, we move into our last segment with Brendan Joe of Conduit for Action. Remember their website, conduitforaction.org. O-R-G, conduit for commerce.org. And then every morning right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer, you can listen in to Paul Harrell with Conduit News. And uh, that's from 6 a.m. until 8 a.m. daily, Monday through Friday, right here at 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. All right, Joe, you wanted to talk about software waste uh, here in the state. So with that, I'll just turn it over to you. Well, I wonder if if you have a recollection of what the Department of Human Services has spent on software in the last three or four years. Do you, do you have a number in mind? Does anything come to mind? No, not not at all. I I just followed that that uh, crazy thing about having a four hundred million dollar computer uh, situation that they never got got. Uh, I mean, that may have been software as well to to get fixed. So it kept track of the people that were on the uh, welfare programs, never worked, and we never got our money back, and we, not, we never got a software program. No, no, I just want the listeners to just imagine that. I mean, $400 million that only a state, a government, would spend that much money to start with for software, and... I mean, I don't guess the software is really wasteware. Uh, something's going on there. You know, DHS has about, what, 100 employees per county. So that was 75 counties, they got about 7,500 people roughly. So, you know, they, they could take a paper and pencil and do this stuff with, with the resources they've got now. And not only have they spent that much, but now we, we are told that we can't get good and timely information even a year later from this system. So what I would suggest is that they put out in the newspaper the specifications for this software. And heck, my company might bid on it ourselves, and I figure if we couldn't do it for $10 million, we'd just pack up and leave the state. But you know... Your price is, is contaminated. It's been going up. Originally it was a million. Now you're up to 10 because you're getting... A, well, I understand yeah. that, but just dealing with these people is worth $9 million, just talking to them. <laughs> But I, we could probably do it with access, and you know, not even a, a mainframe. But anyway, um, ASA is going to solve this problem in about ten years with all this computer coding that's in the school. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so in about 10 years, we might have somebody that can write software for less than $400 million that, that might work. So, so I've got a little bit of, um, you know, I'm a little bit psyched about that. Well, Joe, so, my, my, the thing that drives me crazy is they never delivered what this company never delivered what they said they were going to deliver. We gave them the money and then we didn't ask for it back. Well, they probably purchased it with, you know, they don't, number one, government probably didn't know what it was doing to start with to write the specifications for what it, what they wanted it to do. And, and I understand that that's difficult to do. And I, I do understand dealing with software people. They're difficult to deal with because they don't want any accountability either. You know, they, they want, uh, you know, you to describe it to the nth degree. But still yet, we're not even talking... $40 million worth of software, in my view, and, and my company writes software, industrial software, and, and you know, a million people on this program, a million records in a database doesn't seem very big to me, and I, I, I know several people that could probably write this stuff. You know, I haven't seen the specs, though, but if they would publish the specs in a newspaper, they'd probably get a bunch of takers from private people mm-hmm. for a heck of a lot less than $1 million. Well, you know, we have, remember the article that you and I like in yesterday's paper, A Purposeful Lack of Accountability, and in that article it talks about, you know, the Walton uh, Foundation, someone from, from their organization going and touring Ecclesia College and says, oh, no, we, we can't give to them. They're not viable. I mean, business people can look at a system, you tell them what they want, and they can build these things. Uh, but it, it indicated in the article, which the facts have borne out, that, there's not really anyone in the state that, you know, has some kind of consequence uh, if there is any accountability. I mean, for that report and that committee with Senator uh, Gary Stubblefield reported on on Paul's show last week, uh, it was quite amazing to see, well, yeah, you know, uh, uh, oh, it was because we had new people and we had new software. You know, an excuse has gone on since 2014. Well, I know a lot of small business people in Arkansas, and there isn't one of them that would put up with a fraction of this in their business for a minute. Oh, they'd be firing people left and right. It's business as usual in in Little Rock, though, it seems. Well, and I don't disagree with that. I remember when uh, uh, Asa came on and the guy and head of DHS who had been there for years and had proven himself to be inept, proved himself to be beyond inept, and it took him, I think, a year, maybe a year and a half to get rid of him. Well, but his replacement, what, made two or three times more than him? And look what we've got now. Same thing. That I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I've, I've talked to, you know, I've talked to uh, Senator Clark, and he feels very uh, comfortable with what they've done thus far, saying that, they're, they've been. It's a much better situation uh, than it than it was, and that they got going on some of the things they were supposed to have been going on for years before, and never got started. Well, I, I bet I bet you Alan's grading them on the curve. <laughs> he's he's grading them on what their head band maybe. Yeah, yeah, and he's probably right. But his, I think his expectations have been beaten down to, to un- unreasonableness with anybody in, in private business. So what do you guys think these last few weeks of the campaign are going to be like here for the primaries? I mean, it's it's been getting uh, pretty doggone ugly out there on social media. Do you think that they're going to ramp it up even more? 
on Can both sides. Can you imagine if Dan had any money, what kind of bloodbath we'd be seeing on TV? <laughs> well, I, I would expect uh, Asa to keep uh, put, putting out the same things that are in his ads that are provably false and that he'll continue to call Jan a liar but never say exactly what she's lying about. Uh, I mean, that's the same story. That, that that's, that's a technique that seems to work over and over and over again. And uh, I just wish the Arkansas people would take enough time to investigate some of this stuff themselves and actually make a difference with their votes, you know, instead of just party loyalty or, or personal loyalty. It, it would be refreshing. And, and become informed. Uh, what, what's been shocking to us who live here in northwest Arkansas and stay on top of it is to see the number of people who've never even heard of John Woods. You know, I'm sitting in a nail place the other day watching the news, and, and the guy doing my nails said, hey, I've noticed him. What's the deal there? And, you know, not only do people here not know what's going on, I can only imagine how those across the state have never heard about it. So I'm not sure... You know how educated got, voters I, will be. I got to. I got to run. We've we've run out of time, guys. We'll get back together next week, right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks, Brenda. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Let's move into the final hour of the uh, Monday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Glad you're along for the ride. Let me remind you, uh, I will be here tomorrow, and then I will be off the rest of the week. I got some oral surgery planned on Wednesday. And then I'll be off on Thursday and Friday back with you uh, probably Saturday morning for the car and truck doctors. And then Monday, of course, for the regular show that we have on Mondays here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, but uh, you've got Alan Kerr on Wednesday coming up. He's the uh, insurance commissioner. He'll be joining us here on uh The Answer on Thursday. Val Emmons will fill in for me. And then again on Friday. Shane Stacks will be here, and it looks like uh, from things that I've been watching with uh, Shane, he'll be uh, preparing uh, the Geek Squad for you here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. But I'm going to be out of the saddle for a few days because my mouth's going to be pretty sore, so I don't want to push it uh, wanting to to sit and and try to talk before I should say that I'm going to be able to talk because... There's going to be some changes for me uh, as far as my mouth is concerned. But Alex Sharp, my uh, dentist, tells me that by the time I'm to Monday, I'll be as good as new. So I'm all excited about that. Okay, we move into the final hour, and that means that, uh, as usual, Robert Steinbach is going to join us. He is a uh, professor of law over at the Bowen School of Law, and his his opinions are his and his alone and do not reflect that at Bowen School of Law or UALR. So with that all out of the way and uh, the bookkeeping and, uh, and the, uh, the dusting and everything needs to be done in the office finished, we can get going back to the show. Let's talk with uh, Robert. Robert, I sent you a story that stunned me um, over the, uh, from, from Friday, but it was reported over the weekend, and that is... Uh, the revenge uh, postings that we see, I think they call it revenge porn, in fact, on mm-hmm. uh, on Facebook has been deemed by a, uh, a court that it is free speech. Would, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about it? I sent you the story. What's your thoughts on this? I think it's not as big a problem as you 
might initially think. And that is, of course, we know there's defamation law and we know that there's invasion of privacy law. And uh, the so-called revenge porn would uh, obviously, as a general matter, uh, be an invasion of privacy. And my understanding is that I forget which state it was. Some state enacted a statute, a law dealing explicitly with this type of invasion of privacy, and they put in penalties, etc. And according to the court, and I haven't gone back and read the underlying law, the, the law was written in too vague a fashion. And particularly when it comes to criminal law, a criminal invasion of privacy versus a civil lawsuit, uh, courts take a more restrictive view, because if the law is vague enough, the courts will say, we understand what you're trying to get at, but when it comes to criminal law, you've got to be a little bit more specific. Now, that's my understanding of what the court did in that other state. I can't tell you whether the court got it right or not, because I haven't gone back and looked at the underlying law, but that should not let you be under the impression that revenge porn and other forms of invasion of privacy are generally protected by the First Amendment. They're generally not. All right. So you you feel like we're still safe here. I, I, I just that whole thing about revenge porn uh, is typically an invasion of privacy and in all kinds of things, I agree, and that's right. Uh, and defamation of character and whatnot. So, uh, I just hope that uh, it keeps that under control. Yeah, no, but you raise just to be clear, Dave. You raise a very important issue. We have to be uh, vigilant uh, because you and I are very strong First Amendment advocates, but we know that there are certain historical exceptions to the First Amendment, and we talk about them almost every time we talk about the First Amendment. What are they? You can't yell fire in a movie theater, meaning you can't say something that will create an imminent danger. Not a few, not some sort of you know, delicate daisy becoming offended and upset. Real imminent danger. And yell, yelling fire in a movie theater uh, has the danger of people literally being trampled. That's one. And then defamation is two. And generally, invasion of privacy is considered a corollary to uh, defamation. Although, to be fair, there's, there's a little bit, or maybe even a little bit more than a little bit, of literature sort of discussing how deep the connection of the two are. So we'll leave open for another day the the correlation between defamation and invasion of privacy, but we'll say at least for today that those are connected um, exceptions, uh, and the defamation exception has existed since the creation of the First Amendment. When the First Amendment was written, uh, it was written based on essentially notions from British law, and British law had long since recognized defamation law. So those have always been exceptions. Those were always designed to be exceptions. Uh, and so uh, watch out for the new progressive who says, oh, well, that's an exception, so anything can be an exception. No, we know what the exceptions are and were, and those are all the only ones that we intend to allow to, to persist. All right, so let's move on to something that you sent to me because it's an yeah. interesting story, and that is Liar Liar DOJ on Fire, Comey and McCabe offer sharply conflicting accounts. Why, did, right. did, why did this catch your eye so much? 
It's a great question. Thank you. Look, the, Comey is walking around, as he's often done, with a kind of holier-than-thou attitude. And to be clear, on your show, Dave, for a long time I was defending Comey. When he messed up, when I thought, and I told you in your audience, he made a mistake by not charging Hillary. I said, I think he's wrong. I don't think he should be doing that. But nonetheless, I think he's doing a decent job, shall we say. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm not uh, someone who has been a, a Comey basher, and I don't intend to be a Comey basher. But I want to point out that all of the convictions that have taken place so far uh, through the uh, special counsel are for lying to the special counsel, meaning nothing that happened that they were investigating prior. Like they come in, they're supposed to be investigating Russia this, Russia that, all of this prior behavior. That is not what was uh, – nobody has pled guilty or been convicted of any events in that uh, realm. The only thing they have been convicted of is lying to the investigators. And that's a common tactic, and they do it, and you shouldn't lie to investigators, and there's a criminal charge for that, 18 U.S. Code 1001. But they're, 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 become, they're becoming the liar police. And then we've got two very distinct and completely conflicting statements by the deputy um, uh, director of the FBI and the director of the FBI. Therefore... One of them is lying. And now they might say, well, maybe it's a misunderstanding. The defendants in those cases I just re referenced weren't given that benefit of doubt of saying, oh, well, maybe it's a misunderstanding. So I want to see whether either McCabe or Comey is going to be charged criminally. I think there's a fair chance McCabe will be, to be, to be clear. Um, but that's the point here. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. If they're going around being the liar police, then they've got to be held to the same standard. And the second thing that I want to highlight is this notion that McCabe has said, which is we're not allowed to leak unless we decide that there's a really important reason for us to leak. And we made up those internal rules in the FBI ourselves. I'm sure you did. That doesn't sound like a rule that I want my law enforcement agencies to be involved in. They shouldn't be leaking, and they shouldn't have this kind of but for unless we really want to leak exception. That's not what up-and-up law enforcement agencies do. And so McCabe may be in hot water for lying, and Comey is likely going to be in hot water for leaking that he's admitted to. Yes. But you, you can't be the, the guy that goes around checking everybody's lies as well as checking the leaks of McCabe and then leak yourself. I'm sorry. That's also not proper. So I hope that these folks are going to be held to the same standard that they're holding other folks to. And I think sometimes law enforcement gets out ahead of itself. I'm a huge fan of law enforcement. You know that. So um, I, I don't buy into this argument that you hear the Dems making, uh, oh, any criticism of Comey is an attack on law enforcement. No, it's not. And I'll tell you how I know that, because I've got law enforcement friends who say, good thing that, that either Comey or or McCabe, depending on which friend I'm talking to, or maybe both, uh, are coming under scrutiny now. And these are people who have been involved, involved in federal law enforcement. And they said, look, 
the one thing you need to understand is management is not the same thing as line agents. And sometimes there's good management and sometimes there's bad management. And let me leave it at that. That's what they said. So that's my point. You can be critical of Comey and McCabe. They may... uh, uh, one of them may be right, both of them may be wrong, whatever. But there's nothing inappropriate about being uh, critical of them if there's something to be critical of them. And for sure there is at least something there. Uh, Comey should not have leaked the memos, period. And between Comey and McCabe, somebody's not telling us the truth on what the other leaking information uh, happened uh, now, I don't know, a year or, or so ago. Uh, and so we need to get to the bottom of it. And whoever's not telling us the truth on that one, uh, we need to understand that more and see if there are, should be any ramifications therefore. Well, here's the other thing that I find I find almost ludicrous is McCabe trying to say he's going to sue for defamation when right. a government uh, uh, agency found right. him guilty of all the stuff he says he's been defamed about. You're absolutely right about that, and he almost guaranteed has no claim there. Now, that just to be clear, just to take it all the way to the ultimate, that is because a government agency uh, found that he lied – doesn't mean he actually lied. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying, he, even if it turns out in some uh, universe of all-knowing things, we are able to know whether or not the inspector general got it right or made a mistake. Doesn't matter. The fact that the inspector general made this study and came to these conclusions are a sufficient basis for anybody else to repeat those allegations without being subjected to liability for defamation, Mm -hmm. even if it turns out those statements uh, uh, by the IG are not true. So so let me stop you and say, do you think then that what we're seeing here is – they're playing the game of we want to keep this alive as long as we possibly can to keep all the smoke and mirrors going and and take the country's eyes off of the winds that this president is is uh, been uh, racking up. I mean, North Korea is a win right now. For sure. Do I think the press is doing that? Absolutely. No, no. Do I think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ahead. The press. Yes. Yeah, I think the press is doing that for sure, the mainstream, and uh, I think the Democrats are doing that, although that's what I expect Democrats to do. And, I, that and, McC- and as far as I'm concerned, we look at McCabe and his background. He's a Democrat. I think it is fair to characterize McCabe as a Democrat, and I think we always need to be vigilant about law enforcement uh, having their political views bleed in. I'm not asking them to be robots, but Mm -hmm. that's why we need internal checks and balances. And what we see now is uh, McCabe was doing all these things and, and then eventually was referred to the IG and the Democrats and even the mainstream media are screaming bloody hell about what uh, the that the fact that Sessions fired McCabe. Well, Sessions fired McCabe based on the IG report. It's actually a pretty non uncontroversial idea that happens all the time. I used to work for the guy who was the founding head of the Office of. Um, 
professional responsibility in the Department of Justice after he left that office. I worked for him. And that's what he did. He did internal investigations of DOJ attorneys, uh, not the FBI, because I think the IG does the FBI. Uh, in any event, that's what he did all the time. And uh, there, it, it didn't happen a lot, thank goodness. But when people were acting inappropriately, they got fired. They got fired. That's what that's what he did. And he said, yeah, because you've got to weed out the bad people to ensure that you have the good people. And so, uh, again, McCabe was uh, determined to have lied by the inspector general. I don't know what actually happened, but I understand how that operates. And I certainly don't think the IG is some sort of crony of the president. The IG is an independent appointment and I, who has been appointed before this president took office. Appointed so, by Obama, in fact. Was he appointed by Obama? I yes. didn't even know. Yeah, there you go. So it just, my point is simply this. I'm not saying they got it right or wrong, and I'm not trying to be wishy-washy in my language. I'm just pointing out that ultimately we never know these things beyond what some agency reports, and that's what we generally rely upon properly. That's that's kind of how things work, right? You rely. So we had that inspection. We have the result that he, uh, uh, according to the IG, that McCabe uh, um, lied, and then he got fired. That that shouldn't surprise anybody. That's that's the natural result of an IG investigation showing uh, that a FBI agent lied in an, in an, an important way. All right, um, I need you. I need you ahead. to hold hold your thoughts. I'm going to do it. Got to get a break, and when we come back, we'll finish up with your last thoughts on this. And then we just had something huge happen today, and I want to talk about it and talk about some of the political ramifications when we come back dealing with Pompeo. We'll do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show because I want to hear what if your thoughts about it are, are the same as mine. Don't forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing is now PI Roofing and Home Solutions. They uh, are still the business that takes care of your roof. They'll check up on it, make sure it's in good uh, condition. That if something happens during a storm, we'll come out and and uh, make your house watertight, hopefully before a lot of water gets in and does uh, any kind of destruction to the inside of your home. That will uh, put the best products uh, out there on your roof so you have a roof that's going to last for years. But now they also take care of the problems that water getting into your home happens. You know, the stains on the ceiling, the drywall repair, all of that can be uh, the the insulation that has to be replaced. Maybe outside repairs as well. Well, they understand, and Joel Johnson understood, that uh, when you have to go out and get contractors for like every different one of those, like drywall repair, contractor interior painting exterior painting contract uh person uh carpentry work a different contract person insulation perhaps another contract person why do all of that when you can take and go to pi roofing they've hired the people that do all of that kind of work and they'll take care of it for you under the umbrella of pi roofing interior painting check taken care of drywall repair check taken care of exterior painting carpentry work pressure washing check that's taken care of insulation ventilation taken care of go with the people who do all of it for you pi roofing and home solutions their phone number 501-687-6246 piroofing.com or on google 
just PI Roofing. All right, we continue. And Robert Steinbach is uh, my special guest. He is a uh, legal or a law professor over at Bowen School of Law here at the University of Arkansas Little Rock. His opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect that of the, the school or of the uh, law school here in uh, Little Rock. And you were finishing up, Robert. Let me turn it back to you so you can finish up what you had to say. I think we wrapped it up. I think the point is that uh, everybody needs to be concerned about keeping a check on law enforcement. That's A. And we need to make sure that law enforcement doesn't get a little out over ahead of their own skis. And so that is not an attack on law enforcement. That's being prudent because when you put a lot of power in the hands of anybody, and law enforcement is an example, uh, we need to make sure that we don't have any bad apples. Uh, and uh, and that's that's just being prudent. Okay. So we got to get to uh, Fox News. That's coming up next here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. When we return, we got a great story for you and I to discuss for a few minutes. And that is, you know, Pompeo uh, is being considered for Secretary of State. And up until just a few minutes before the vote from the committee was to take place, uh, it looked like he wasn't going to get enough votes. Now, it would still gone to the entire Senate, and probably he, he would have been confirmed. However, it looks so much better, the optics, so to speak, are so much better if you get the okay from the committee as well. So when we come back, let's talk a little bit about that and about some people who are going to vote for him and why. That's going to come up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach, my guest, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue. Robert Steinbach with us. Robert, this big story about Pompeo, it's interesting because I want to talk to you about it uh, and and get into this just a little bit. Uh, Rand Paul Paul talked to the president. president convinced him that uh, Pompeo would make a great secretary of state uh, Rand Paul says that's okay. I'll I'll take the president's word for it, and uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee then went on. Uh, I think it was eleven nine or something like that uh, on the on the vote, and it's going to go into the House to, or to Senate to be, and he'll be confirmed, is what they're basically saying. Right now, here's right. now here are the uh, the interesting uh, byproducts of this. I want you to listen to the Democrats now who are saying they will vote for Pompeii. There had been a very, a very strong wall up that the Democrats were going to vote against Pompeo. But now let me just name three and one more that I expect that we'll see happen. One, Indiana Democratic Senator Joe Donnelly. Democratic Senator mansion from west virginia democratic senator high camp from north dakota and it is my belief that uh, the senator from missouri is going to also vote for him for the simple reason they're up for re-election and they're in states that hugely went for donald trump and they have not supported trump that much in the past i think this is a last minute attempt by them to save their seats your thought 
100% you're right, Dave. That is, the Democrats in very pro-Trump states need to appease those voters, and going contrary to the president time and time again makes them very susceptible uh, to a challenge, and so they want to look like they are supporting the president enough to appease those conservative yet democratic voters in their states. And that's what they're trying to do here. It's a it's a simple tactic. Look, to some extent, I appreciate it in the following sense. Uh, a representative should represent the interests of his or her constituents. If the constituents uh, want to have the, the, the senator to support this pick for secretary of state, that should be a significant factor in consideration by the senator. And that notwithstanding, maybe those uh, voters still are willing to vote for those Democratic uh, candidates uh, who support other Democratic uh, concepts or ideas or whatever, uh, laws. Uh, and so they're trying to thread that needle, and that's what politicians do, right? Yeah, well, but here's the thing about this and why I think this is well, way too little, way too late, Okay. They yeah. voted against a tax cut. Right, right. They voted against that tax cut. Now, if I'm if I'm their challenger, I'm right. going to beat them over the head until they're bloody sure. with that. Sure, sure. And to be clear, I'm not saying that this gets them the win, nor am I saying it should get them the win. This is that balance they're trying to strike. And guess what? People get... People lose elections all the time. They may lose the elections, their elections, because they have not striking the right balance for their electorate. But that's what these folks are doing. They're playing politics. But to be clear, when I say playing politics, that's not necessarily a pejorative, meaning they're trying to strike a balance of, of interests to appeal to the most number of their voters. I get that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you want to, oh, yeah. you want to appeal to your most voters, you should be voting for the thing that's already giving you more money in your paycheck. Oh, I, I, if what you're saying, and it is what you're saying, is that these people are feel the wind, right? They feel the challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They do. There's, there's no doubt in my mind no. that no, I mean, no look, Mansion didn't decide to run for re-election until two days before he had to make his, de- right. you know, last days to make That's his right. decision. He knows what That's he's right. up against. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's without a doubt. These Democrats in conservative states are really facing a challenge. One hundred percent. Yeah. And and to say, yeah. well, you know, let me just ask if, if you yeah. if you're one of these candidates, how would you do your your ad? Hey, I voted for Secretary of State Pompeo, but I voted against you having more money in your paycheck. Well, if I were one of these candidates, <laughs> I, I, I would come out and I would say, I've decided to join the Republican Party. <laughs> that's what I would do if I were one of these candidates. Yeah, well, so it's hard for me to otherwise answer that question. I think they've set them... They they all set themselves up. Uh, McCaskill is who I was trying to think of Missouri. Right, right. You know, right, I, right, I Claire right. McCaskill. I think that all four of them are going to lose their seats. I I I, be. I believe that. Be. Yep, yep. Could be. And that be. that will be very interesting uh, 
if that plays out that way. You know, they're all been talking about that the House is going to switch and flip Democrat. But right. if you look at what the uh, polls are showing, uh, the Democrats are up only up by favorability of four points. This is a yeah, toss-up. It's a toss-up. That's right. At this point, it's not fair to say that it's a done deal anywhere close to that. So those who, but look, the Democrats have got have gotten uh, cocky before. Uh, if you might recall the last presidential election, right? So if they want to get out ahead of their skis, uh, let them do it. Uh, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk for Republicans, no. in part because midterms are never a slam dunk, right? And so, we've got so many seats that are open. Exactly, exactly. So there, there's a lot of headwind that the Republicans are facing as well. But I, I, I honestly don't know which way it's going to go in the House. I do not know. Well, it's my belief that we'll hold on to the House, I'll bet it will be a very narrow margin, and... Right, right. We will pick up seats in the Senate. I think we may pick up as many as five in the Senate. Wow! Wow! That would be a that would be a huge gain, and it would yeah. be a disaster for the Republican Party if we picked up five. Yes. Why is that? Because uh, uh, if we picked up five talking? seats in the Senate, rep- yeah. the, I mean, not the Republican, the Democrat Party, that would be a disaster for them. Oh, if the Democrats picked up five, I misunderstood you. Got no, they, if the Democrats okay. lost five seats in the in the in the Senate, the Republicans. Oh, it would be a disaster for the Democrats. Yeah. of course it would be. Of course it would be. I mean, you'll because then you know what you're going to see be close to filibuster proof at that point. Yeah, and you know what you'll yep. see. You will. Yep. You, you would see seriously. You would see a lot of these people have been talking about. Well, I may run in 2020. Suddenly, just right. shut their mouths and sit down. That's right. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. I, yeah, Absolutely. I'm going to be. Um, I'm, November is going to be fun. I'm. I'm going to be it watching is. it. Going to be watching well, it very closely. Forward, I'm looking forward to the new legislative session uh, here in Arkansas. Yeah, we're going to talk because, about some stuff here yeah, in just sure. a second. Let's yeah, do that. Sure. I need to remind yep. everybody. I know that you hate yep. uh, paying taxes right now, but just wait until you withdraw money from your IRA, your 401k, or other retirement accounts. Uh, required minimum distributions can force you. To withdraw money from uh, those accounts, whether you want to or not. That's right. Government can make you start taking the money out so that they can tax it and they can apply it, you know, to the uh, the slush fund that the government has in Washington, D.C. It can trigger an avalanche of taxes for you and every year could get more and more expensive. David Lucas specializes in strategies that could reduce these taxes, save you thousands of dollars. He's a published author, host of the David Lucas Show right here on 101.1 The Answer. And if you've saved at least $200,000 for retirement, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free review now at 501-653-6690. If you want to learn how you can save thousands in taxes on your IRA or that 401k, call 501-653-6690. All right, let's finish up our uh, segment with Robert Steinbach. We have Robert on every Monday from 5 until 6. He's astute talking about, of course, the First Amendment, but... He's also very politically astute, as you've heard already today with some of the topics that we've been talking about. Legal uh, professor over at the Bowen School of Law, and uh, but his opinions going to reflect not 
not reflecting that of uh, Bowen School of Law or UALR. I can just about guarantee that. So there's going to be some interesting things coming up in 2019 during the next uh, general session that will occur here oh, yeah. in in Little Rock. What what do you do you think there's going to be another all out affront against the FOIA again, Robert? I think it's going to be harder to do this time because last general uh, session, they set up a task force on which I serve that is providing commentary on all bills that relate to the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, and we're first. our first uh, project right now is going back and looking at the ones that were introduced in the last session and we're saying whether or not we believe they should be reintroduced if they were not um, uh, passed, obviously. Uh, and uh, then we will look at any new proposals for the new session, and I think that will offer a greater level of regularity when it comes to FOIA proposals in this legislative session. At least I hope that's the case. I'm hopeful also, incidentally, Dave, that we can get a version of your bill, the one that you got from the folks in, is it Wisconsin? No, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, I always do it. It's almost guaranteed that I confuse the two. Um, That uh, the Minnesota bill about free speech in particular, free speech on campuses. There won't be any, uh, uh, what are they called, the safety zones or whatever the yeah, word is. Safe spaces, is. brother. No safe more safe spaces. spaces. Exactly. No more um, uh, uh, comfort dogs provided for those people who were uh, too shocked by reading something in the newspaper or hearing something on the radio. Uh, uh, no more delicate daisies. People would need to live in the real world. And students and faculty and uh, um, invited guests and, uh, and uninvited guests uh, will have will continue to have their First Amendment rights uh, across universities. Uh, that's an important notion that you've been stressing, and you did lo- uh, yeoman's work in getting a copy of that bill, and I'm hopeful that we will get some uh, legislators who are interested in that, and that will get passed quickly. Uh, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other things, too. But uh, we always, on this show, every Monday, Come back to the First Amendment, and I think that the laws in today's society uh, are doing the same. They're coming back to the First Amendment, and that's what I'm going to be stressing this coming General Assembly session. Well, it, it's, it makes me very nervous what's been going on for the last about 10 years uh, with political correctness. What I thought was just right. a bunch of kooks has ended up sucking people in, thinking that uh, there are such things as hate speech and all kinds of stuff. And, right. uh, you know, I mean, one person's hates another person's just normal speech. I mean, you can, oh, you, can, you can take something and make it hate speech and it not even be close to being, quote, in my opinion, hate speech. And, and moreover, the notion that the left literally says hate speech is not protected by the First Amendment, yet one of the two words that they use in their description is the word speech, which is, after all, protected by the First Amendment. That's right. And and so we know there are limited exceptions historically, and hate speech ain't one of them, baby. Well, let me just, you know, be very clear about something. There's a teacher that's out there and I don't know, is it San Diego, I guess, is where the, the school is at that wrote some 
hideous things about Mrs. Oh, right, Bush. About, right, about Barbara Bush. Yeah, I mean, right, just right. absolutely terrible. Right. Now, I think she has the right to say those things. Uh, That's right. I, I, That's right. I don't like them, don't like them at all. And then everybody else had the, uh, you know, the uh, ability to get on Twitter and just blast and say, her. We don't like you. Exactly. But that's the point, right? Because why else would you have a First Amendment? You wouldn't need something. You don't need to protect speech that doesn't need protection. You don't need to protect speech that everybody loves. Right. So that's why we know we know that in the early 70s, the ACLU correctly defended Nazis. Can you think of worse people? Nazis ability to exercise essentially speech. And the Supreme Court said yes. Now, if Nazi activity and Nazi uh, symbolism and Nazi statements aren't hate speech, I don't know what is. So under the leftist version of hate speech, that's hate speech. And at the time, it was a leftist who correctly were defending the rights of the Nazis to speak and march. And now the leftists have come full circle, and they've forgotten their own history. So recognize your history, leftists. You were the solemn defenders of free speech, including hate speech, or what you would call hate speech, made by Nazis in Skokie, Illinois, and the Supreme Court agreed with you. Mm -hmm. and said, that's guaranteed by the First Amendment. So... Uh, it's time to wake up, get woke on the First Amendment. That's what I say. Yeah, I agree. Just uh, news that is just breaking. We're just seeing that former President George H.W. Bush, or George Bush Sr., has been hospitalized. Uh, oh and uh, not much coming out about that. But, of course, oh everybody yeah. understands that uh, his wife, Barbara Bush, just passed away. And now right. the the former president has been hospitalized uh, right, right. In, in Houston. So right. we wish him the best. Dead. Yes, indeed. Indeed. You know, so, indeed. you know, I, I saw a lot of people posting that picture that had uh, Bush the younger and Clinton and Hillary and Obama and others. Uh, the only person that wasn't there uh, was Carter. And I think they tried what they were trying to do is talking about all the living uh, presidents and Trump wasn't there, but his wife was. It, it was right. it just a, a, a it was just a sign of the way it's uh, it's supposed to be uh, in politics when something like that happens. Absolutely, absolutely. It was it was really an historic moment, and it was a solemn moment, and uh, it spoke well. I thought of of everyone involved, and uh, it was a. a uh, a tribute to Barbara Bush, who really was a very special person in American history. Uh, I mean that sincerely. Yeah, and a really, really great, great advocate of literacy, and that's yeah. something that we can use a lot of here in this country. All right, John yeah. wants to join us here for just a few moments. Hi, John. Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Dave. This is not the first time we called, but, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. But uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. But uh, there was something that that lady did that uh, whenever uh, she was on her Twitter feed, she said, well, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, then you give a call into this number. And she gave a uh, psychiatric number for, like, it, it was an emotional, like, oh, uh, it's yeah, like yeah. a suicide hotline. Yeah, a suicide hotline. Yeah, a suicide hotline. Yeah, a suicide hotline. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wasn't talking. And she she bogged all the numbers down because these people were trying to call into her, and it's like, well, you're gonna get mental health because Mm -hmm. mental health because like you guys don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, the I believe I I believe firmly that that sort of stuff right there. Oh yeah. Well, what she did right there, being like that, should be addressed in a firm manner. Well, the 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 president. Let me jump in here because we're running out of time. The president of the university. They are looking at that. That is a fireable offense. So yeah. do not be surprised if she doesn't get fired over that particular thing because the president of the university, here's what happened because of what she did. The alumni have been calling the president and saying, if that woman's not fired, we're going to withhold our donations. And, and, you know, what's interesting about that, Dave, is uh, I'm not interested in whether the alumni are going to withhold the donations, because if she has free speech, she has free speech. Oh, I agree. Speech is, right. I know. I know you do. I know you do. Um, but uh, you also can't violate health and safety rules without thinking that there won't be any uh, negative ramifications. That's correct. Uh, and it's very dangerous to be um clogging up the lines of a suicide hotline. Yep. Uh, so I don't it really is foolish why she did that. She she should have foreseen that her controversial remarks would get attention in the first place. And so why why would she put that on there really baffles me. Really well but you know Let me let me tell you why she did it. Because yeah. she's a yeah. leftist nut job. That's right. why she yeah, did she's it. Foolish. That's right. I mean we're defending her because we know she has a First Amendment right, but we don't think that she is smart in, in how she behaves. No. And so this is a good example of where she, she'll get our defense on the First Amendment, but when she's going to do something foolish like using that suicide hotline number, sorry, no right to do that. Yeah, have you seen some of her other t- tweets that she's put out? No. She, she's a no, twit. I only she, is a, yeah, yeah. she is a real sure. twit. There's I'm no sure doubt about right. it. I'll, uh, I'll send you a, I'll send you a uh, email right. and right. tell you about one of them that will make your eyes roll. Right, right. <laughs> we're I'm out sure. of time. I'm sure. We're out of time. I'm sure by the time a week passes, we're going to have plenty of things to talk about next time you're on again. No doubt. God bless my All friend. right. We'll talk to you later. Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good friend of mine, has been a part of this show for many years. Good to have him on again today. Hey, tomorrow, Power Panel is going to be here. Then the Bible guys will be here. Remember, you can send the Bible guys a question just by sending it to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com, and they'll take it up in the 5 o'clock hour tomorrow. We'll have a lot of things to talk about with the power panel as well. In fact, this guy that shot those people up at the Waffle House called himself a sovereign citizen. We'll explain to you what that all means tomorrow on the Dave Ellswick Show. You have a great evening. See you again tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.